1: From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique matter. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.
2: Hoosier Hysterics!
1: Well...
3: We played a game, kinda. We did. There was an exhibition game a week ago. <laughs> I think that says about how much you can take from that exhibition game. Look, uh, hello. First of all, good to see you. Hi. It's been uh, it's been two days since we last did this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, this is airing on Tuesday. Uh, we are recording it the Wednesday before, so the day after the exhibition game with Gannon. We did part one of Steve Green. Last week, this is very weird for us. We're doing part two. A lot of people online were confused. They were like, oh my God, if they split it into two parts, this must be like an 18-hour Ken Burns (laughs) podcast. But the truth is, we just ran out of time because Steve had some real-life stuff to do.
1: Isn't it amazing that hasn't happened more often? How gracious and generous so many of these guys have been and how little they have to do with their lives <laughs> I, I guess i was like i thought that was just an actor thing but i guess that's also like a former ball player thing the bigger question is how do we have the time to do it every single week y- you i guess because you're the boss that's yeah, why no,
3: you, no, no, you you get to do uh, that okay all right um so let's talk a little bit about the exhibition game uh you want to just start with some like key let's do positives and negatives
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, Cuz I did get a text from you saying I'm I'm staying positive. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, totally am. So, uh number one, just so happy to see
1: Indiana play basketball again. It's what it's all about.
3: Yeah, man. It's like We've been doing these podcasts. The, the podcast has really taken off in the off-season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, we started it at the beginning of last season, but kind of found our groove on what we do with interviewing former players and future players and stuff about
1: midway through the season. About the time we were losing 12 of 13 games, you and I started going back in, into the catacombs of Indiana history. You're right. Like, <laughs> so, we, 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 went, we went to a happy place. <laughs> That's right. We tried <laughs> to find one. Um,
3: it's just so much fun. To watch them play again. I mean, to hear the band
1: play, see the court, to see the court new three point line. Yeah, little weird, but happy. Happy to see uh, uh, us make a few from out there. So that was number one for me. Just so happy to see them playing. Did Did you think there should have been more people there?
3: Yeah, it was sad. It was sad. There's just um. Look, losing twelve of thirteen. Not making the NCAA tournament for three years in a row.
1: Not having a Romeo-type player there. Yeah.
3: And also, I don't think they did a good enough job um, from a marketing perspective promoting the fact that you have Trace Jackson Davis on the team. Sure. Local kid from Indianapolis, outside of Indianapolis.
1: Mr. Basketball. Five-star.
3: Yeah, like— it's weird. I mean, Romeo sucked up a lot of oxygen for the last couple of years. So, yeah. like, I think even the underclassmen under Romeo didn't get the attention. And it's taken like a buffer to get to a Christian Lander who's getting a lot of attention now. But Trace is a special talent and a good kid and has flown under the radar as much as you can as a Mr. Basketball and five star recruit. So,. I just don't think there's been the buzz around the basketball program that there has been in years past.
1: Well, because two years ago, here's who's the new coach? You right. know, let's check out the new coach. Last year, Romeo's here. Oh, here we go. Now we're going to go next level.
3: <laughs> and this and, year is, is, is just a lot of question
1: marks. Th- this year's a prove-it year, I think, for a lot of the fan base. I think that's fair. Uh,
3: but I hope the fan base comes out uh in a much bigger way. Look, it's an exhibition game. It was in the middle of the week. It's a Tuesday night against somebody that doesn't matter in a game that doesn't matter. But
1: as a student, no question, I would have been there. Oh, totally I with you. I never turned down a chance to go watch a game there.
3: Look, I think it's just changed a little bit, truthfully. I yeah. think that when we were there, Ward, we were still not in that 20-year... You know, down period. It's we true. we were still coming off of the highs of just a few years before, and we were still regularly in the tournament every year. Every um, year, yeah. So, and there were enough big names that were coming through the the doors of Assembly Hall from the Luke Wreckers and the Jason Colliers. Guyton. You know, yeah, that that kept us excited. So that was disappointing to see, but I'm staying on the positives. Right, really happy to see us playing again. Just so happy. Really happy to see Rob Finnessy out there. Yeah. I mean, the fact that Archie the day before was like, we're not going to see him. It wouldn't be fair to put him in. Al Durham goes out, which isn't great, but that seems like a nagging thing.
1: What, and what was that? Because I was Don't again, know. I was cooking while watching this on my phone.
3: He got banged up in the Marquette game and came out the last eight minutes. Right. Which and is,
1: that's why Armand got so much time in that scrimmage. And
3: playing point guard in that scrimmage, yeah. those last eight minutes. And guarded Marcus Howard for those last eight minutes. So... That was disappointing, but Rob playing is just so big, obviously, and, and he didn't play with the first team, he didn't start, he only played about 12 or 13 minutes, but just so happy to see him, so that's a positive for me.
1: Well, and I mean, I, th- I think what struck me the most, and this is a, a positive, is this is just a different, this is a very different team. You know, and without Rob on the floor starting in a lot of the time, and obviously without Devontae or Al, you're you're looking at Armand with the ball and and you're seeing Trace out there a lot. You know, Race, you know, I think we'll get to there. And of course Jerome's out there. And I'm like, I I my eyes are excited to soak in whatever this team is going to be. And we're only getting glimpses and maybe not the best feel for it because of not only the competition, but who's available to be on the floor, But I'm just excited to like m- meet these new kids and see how they play together.
3: That was gonna be my next positive is the newcomers. Armand, Trace, Joey, and I'm going to include race. Joey, yeah. I'm going to include race for sure because race played, I think, a total of 27 minutes or something like that last year. I'm not going to put Demesi in this category as a newcomer because Demisi was on the team and healthy all year last year. He just didn't see the floor. Right. But but race seems healthy and in shape. So those four guys that are and, and Jerome. Let's put Jerome in yeah, the category. Yeah. No. This is a this is a new squad. It's five newcomers that are going to play significant minutes and. I would say four of those five guys last night had great games. Armand looks bigger than I thought, looks stronger than I thought, uh, looks more refined than I thought. There was something that I really appreciated about Armand. He was a little out of control on a drive in the first half and committed a charge.
1: And then figured it out. Look, it's gammon. Is that the name of the school? Gannon. 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 Right. Gannon. So we're not going to get too excited about him being ready for Big Ten play. Totally. But just the fact that he had the the swagger, the confidence, the tenacity to be out there, to be assertive, to make some stuff happen, even after making a mistake early on, as, as you mentioned. Totally. And he turned that charge then into a couple floaters.
3: And... I loved seeing those floaters because that's like you're un- under control. You're coming off two feet. You know you're avoiding the charge. He kind of figured it out as the game went along, and I loved seeing that. So that's Armand, and he did
1: everything. What? Well, how much did he score as a senior? Almost thirty a game. I don't know what the stats were, but he scored a lot. He's really scored, and and I just like I'm not an expert on how do you translate scoring in the high 20s around Indianapolis high school ball to division 1 Big 10 basketball but you got to have a knack for it if if you did that and and you just hope that And he played for Cathedral. Like he he played high end Indiana basketball. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That that the hope is when we're I think all chewing our nails leading into last night and we will continue to of like where are the outside shots going to come from? he's one of the guys that were like maybe could it be him could he be and, and and then after last night you're like yeah maybe his shot looked
3: good he took three threes made one of them but the other two looked like they were going in they looked good yeah he looked he looked solid eight rebounds at the point guard position. He had eight rebounds. He had four assists. He had four turnovers. He's a freshman. He's going to make those mistakes. And he's also not going to play point guard. Right. He's going to play off guard. And Al Durham and, and Rob Finnessy are going to play point guard.
1: But if you're looking at somebody who can spell Devontae, or or if Devontae needs, needs to sit down for a minute right. because he's he's totally. uh, a little out of control, that kid can come in and spell him just fine.
3: Or can you play him with Devontae? Because I think... We, we don't know exactly how this team's going to be, you know, constituted as far as a, a starting lineup. But I could see Rob at the—we know Rob's going to be the point guard. We know Devontae's going to be the two-guard. You know Joey's going to be the five. So then—and I think you know Justin's going to be in the starting lineup. So that's four guys. That fifth spot, look, if Trace can really play with Joey, great— But Al could play in that, too. So you could have, like, a three-guard lineup. Right. And in that case, if Al goes out, Armand comes in, Mm -hmm. or Al goes over to fill the point guard position, and Rob comes out, and now Armand slides into that other guard position. So he's going to play a lot with the guards.
1: And I think, you know, Archie's guards, or his lack thereof, and recruiting of them, has been a point of contention, at least on the message boards, and to now have this conversation, and after seeing Armand last night, be like, we have four legit guards who can be out on that floor.
3: Yeah, I. I l- yes, yeah, so I'm staying positive because I don't want to get into the Archie point guard thing. Because the truth is, he's getting lucky with Armand spelling him at point guard right now. Armand's not a point.
1: What, but how? L- I don't think that's fair to say he's getting lucky. Like we we don't know. I. I, I what did did Archie not think he could be a combo guard did it did I mean and and if you're looking at Al who I think most people are like that's the backup point
3: yeah not an Archie player
1: right but Archie knows he has him
3: yeah we still need more points I mean more point guards I mean we still probably yeah I I still think we missed out on some point guards and point guard backups that would be really great to have.
1: It's not gonna be fun to play Ohio State, is what you mean. That's not gonna be fun. Uh playing Michigan
3: State where we play against Aaron Henry every night, you know, two times a year, maybe three times a year is not gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. Um but regardless, the newcomers. So we covered Armand. Uh Trace Jackson Davis is fun to watch.
1: Yeah, he really is.
3: He's a pogo stick in mm-hmm. there. I mean, he is so athletic. He runs the floor well. He's going to make mistakes. He made a couple mistakes in the post where, you know, he held the ball too long or dribbled into pressure. But watching him get stronger and bigger and finishing down low is going to be real fun.
1: And, again, just look like he belonged out on on a Big Ten court.
3: Agreed. Good rebounding last night. Uh, I love Joey Brunk. I just love him. I love him as a personality, and I love his game. It's solid.
1: I've been waiting for six months to see him back somebody down on Assembly Hall Court. And you got to see it three times. Yeah, and it, and it's just like, oh, this is happening. And there's no way, certainly anybody from Gammon, <laughs> that's what I'm calling them the rest of the time, no no way anybody from Gammon's going to be able to stop that guy. And, you know, it, it'll, it'll be playing some bigger boys as the season moves on but he will take a backseat to no one as far as strength and size goes.
3: Totally. And Joey's game is all about positioning because he's not going to jump over anybody. It's about strength and positioning. It's about playing the angles when he backs somebody in. It's about boxing out on the rebounds because guys can jump over him. They're more athletic. But six points, five rebounds, 3 of 3 from the field, a lefty skyhook. <laughs> I mean, he threw up a lefty skyhook. You texted me on that one. I mean, it just made me so happy. So I was happy to see him out there. Um, Jerome had a terrible game. I, there's no way to say it otherwise.
1: Well, and that's, that's I guess, to be expected, but certainly not what you hope for. No, but in some ways, again, I'm
3: looking at the positive. I'm kind of glad that it didn't come easy because this should motivate him. Like, you got rust to knock off. You got to grind harder. This is a different level, even against Gammon. Uh, you. <laughs> it, but you know what I mean. Like, you're, oh,
1: look. I, I mean, we were it's talking time to about down. it with with Steve Green in part one, which uh is when freshmen didn't get to play. Where there's that that stretch of time where freshmen didn't get to play, and I'm like, man, that one that's just got to be maddening. Um, but at least back then they could they could practice, they could do all those things. But with Jerome, here's a guy who hasn't even you know, uh, and and race. You know, when race came in early. Uh, a year early and didn't play uh, in the games he still was going full bore in practice so with jerome we're talking about somebody who hasn't played real competitive 40 minutes of basketball for i don't know oh, well over a year yeah absolutely
3: um, uh, it's just great to see him out there
1: that's that's what i took from it and being like oh yeah well it's 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 not magic right you you don't just show back up and you know it's it's you talk about it a lot with musicians and instruments you know, if you take one day off, you know that you took the day off. If you take two days off, maybe an expert could tell. Three days off, maybe, you know, uh, your fans could tell. But, like, this guy's taken over a year off from his craft uh, competitively. Mm-hmm. So, and however, what, he's been full go in practice for how long? A few
3: months. Three, three, through months. the summer, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so
1: I think that's where I was personally hoping to see him be out on the court and not notice The rust.
3: Yeah, well, you noticed it. It, Big time. And also, what we don't know is some of it's rust for sure, but some of it is nerves. The (gasps) kid has got to be been looking towards this day for so long, and those shots were just way off. Spastic. What I did love, though, is the adjustments that happened at halftime where it was like, hey, Jerome, shots not falling tonight, get in the post. And they got him in the post, and he looked good in the post. He drew some fouls, got to the free throw lines, got to knock him down,
1: but... Where did the team end up on free throws? A little under 70%. I don't remember.
3: I look, Justin Smith was 8 of 9. He was 8 of 9 from the free throw line. So wait, before we get to that because that is a positive, mm-hmm. but it was so so seeing Jerome out there was just good to see him out there and he was emotional and passionate. He hugged his teammates after some big plays, which I liked.
1: Yeah, well, and that is the step back comment, right? Like, here's a young man who basketball has been such a huge part of his life and and it was taken away from him, and also like real, real health concerns. Just yeah. like, are you going to be able to live a normal life? Is is your life actually endangered? We don't know. We did not ever yeah. get the details of that stuff. So, but what... certainly
3: basketball was a threat to have been taken away from him for certain. And so that that was a huge in the pie chart of what his life comprise is comprised of. Basketball was a huge slice of that pie for a long time and the threat of that going away is scary and sad and disheartening and last night we got to see
1: him play basketball. He's not only alive and well, he's playing basketball for Indiana again and he's got 4 years to reach his potential. Yep. So that was
3: great. Uh Race Thompson. The guy looked great. I mean, light on his feet, looked in shape, looked strong, really good defense, finished around the basket, made a couple free throws. Um, moved pretty well. I-, I was just so happy to see, like, oh, he's a contributor. Yeah. Like, period. Mm-hmm. I I don't know where he fits into the strategy and how many minutes he'll play, but he's a contributor. And we've got some front court depth. And
1: uh, well, And that's when you look at, and it will be fun, I think, with Archie having this level of depth now, how does he play chess as we go through the season and even inside of games if you've got 10 11 guys on your bench that have different strengths and weaknesses how is he throwing those guys out there depending on the matchup totally and and race i think is one that has a a lot more aspects to his game that can be utilized than... Well, look, again, we just haven't seen him. We just don't know. You know?
3: There was some talk that he could shoot from the outside. We haven't really seen that. But if he does, my God, then he becomes a a real player.
1: But if you're also talking about... Look, we know what kind of elite defender Justin can be. And when you talk about race coming in and just being willing to, like, you know, really do the hard work and play hard-nosed basketball... We're starting to see down low a little bit the 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 Archie mentality. Joey obviously has it, you know. Uh, I think I'm not really sure about Trace's mentality.
3: I think he's a. He seems to show some emotion and
1: grinds it and because like... he's clearly very skilled, right? Right, um, and, and smooth. Yeah, he's smooth. That is a very good word of what you could see out there. Even when he's, you know, got to put the ball on the floor, even down yeah. low. But I think that when you talk about uh, a Joey or a race who maybe wasn't known for being a, a prolific scorer necessarily of what he was going to come in for, you talk about their mentality and their hard hat mentality. And I just think that's contagious.
3: I hope so. Um, so race was great. That's where I, So I would say the newcomer is a positive. And then the last really big positive was Justin Smith. The guy played a really efficient game, didn't turn the ball over. I think I only saw him one time try to force something. But other than that, took the game as it came to him especially in the second half, really came through, didn't force jumpers, cut to the basket, got out in transition, finished at the basket. And didn't
1: overthink things. Didn't
3: over- and made eight of nine free throws. I mean, that, that's the biggest positive. Made eight of nine th- free throws. First of all, he got to the line nine times. Yeah. And made eight of them. I mean, we need to make free throws because this team is not going to fill it up. They're just not. I mean, right. and granted, Devontae and Al Durham are the two best shooters on the team most likely, Mm -hmm. and they didn't play. So, But this team is not going to score 90. I mean, it's just not that kind of team, or 80. So they're going to have to grind it out and get fouled and move the ball and get to the free throw line and make over 70% of their free throws, or else we're not going to win many games. Yep. So I just really liked Justin not forcing things, not turning it over, and turning it a good game. It was against Gammon, so who the hell knows if it means anything. And guys were playing out of position. Armand's not going to play. Armand will not have a game if Rob and Al are playing. Armand will not have a game this year where he plays more than five minutes at the point guard position, most right. likely. Yep. He played 30 at the point guard, or 35 at the point guard position. Probably 30 because Rob played with him a couple minutes. We got Indiana basketball back. Yep. And, uh, and just, a lot
1: of new toys to play with.
3: And I just want to see the team grow. Which is why i got to be honest with you. If you ask me for a negative, I'm not going there. Awesome. I'm not taking any negatives from last night because let's
1: just watch them grow now. Let's see where they go. And to think that everybody's like, well, how, how, how are you going to replace Juwan and Romeo? And how many guys did we just talk about that made little to no contribution last year? Right. And that's how we're going to do it with a whole bunch of people.
3: This is not a negative, but Uh I will say not a negative but in watching the game and even thinking about Devonte playing and Devonte being a senior it did make me go this team needs a Dawson Garcia like mm. it needs a star the the team needs especially if Devonte's gone next year sure you need a guy that you can go to and say go get me points and Dawson's 6 foot 11 and can stand out at the three point line take the ball and break his guy down off the dribble he can shoot if open how many six foot 10 guys can guard him at the three point line, can guard anybody at the three point line if he's driving by you and not foul? Sure. So I just
1: think we don't have the Romeo or Juwan. Right. But team. I think by next year, it could be Jerome or Trace.
3: Yeah. I, Jerome, saying it could be Jerome it is just a total shot in the dark because we just don't know how he's going to progress. And we've seen so little of him. I right. mean, We've seen between the two of us, we've seen him play a total of 10 minutes of basketball. Like, yeah. I'm even including high school. Yeah.
1: Are you including like a tweet video yeah, that right. came out eight months ago? Yes, I am.
3: Uh-huh. So yeah. it's maybe 10 minutes. So we don't know. Could it be Trace? Maybe. You know, I think Trace is more of a guy where the game has to come to him a little bit.
1: I'm just surprised you're, you know, you're not still excited about Jerome winning the gold jersey last <laughs> yeah. year.
3: Yeah. So exciting that he won the gold jersey. Um, I'm just excited to have Indiana back. We play again tonight in the first real game of the season, so uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, speaking of fun, Steve uh, Green, the Greeno, Greeno, Greeno. Hope everybody listened to part one last week. If you didn't, I highly, highly recommend going back and listening to part one to set up part two, which is really going to be focused on one of the greatest seasons in the history of college basketball and certainly one of the two greatest seasons in the history of Indiana basketball
1: the 74-75 team you you would say the 74-75 season was greater than the other seasons we won championships
3: well from beginning to end as a
1: whole i'm not saying like who is the best like no, the, the I, best I, team no i think going undefeated in the big 10 that is, no way that is better than winning a national championship. No way. I'm
3: not saying it's better than winning a national championship. I'm saying if you go 28 and 0, 29 and 0, it is special.
1: Oh, I'm I'm not arguing you with you on that. So I
3: think in some ways it's hard, man. I was going to say in some ways it's a more impressive season. But it's hard to argue with a national championship, of That's, course.
1: I'm I'm saying you have five national championship seasons, and then you have here's what I'll say: seventy four, seventy five.
3: Here's what I'll say to you: there are five national championships. Mm-hmm. How many times has Indiana gone undefeated up until the NCAA tournament? Twice. Sure. So five times we've won the championship. Only twice have we gone undefeated up until the tournament.
1: Well, and and I'm basing this more on people who know a lot more about it and watched those teams that I did not, but I'm totally fine saying the 74-75 team was actually the best team out of any of them ever. But you specifically, and it's semantics, but you said one of the two greatest seasons. I know, I'm going to stand with it. No way. I am. Because I'll tell you why. You're going to tell me.
3: I am, because here's why. Here's why. I think about what is more difficult.
1: Winning a national championship.
3: Not true. If that were true. Because they've done it. If that were true, there have been—somebody every somebody wins a national championship every single but, year.
1: But, but I'm sorry, but you're still losing your season. Uh, you, the last game of the season, you lose. I know, but for you a lose. season,
3: it is more difficult to do what the 74-75 team did than it is to win a
1: championship. But that doesn't—just because something's more difficult doesn't make it better. It's more rare. It's harder to achieve. Right now this upcoming season. Eric, you want us to go what what would you No, no, no. You're actually national... what I would prefer. I prefer a national
3: championship, but that doesn't necessarily mean that preferring it makes it harder or better.
1: Greater. Wasn't it greater? You called it one of the two greatest seasons because yeah. this is all a semantics thing. I know. Thing.
3: Um hmm. I don't know. It's tough. It's I understand your argument. It's a fair argument. I don't think there's one person alive except for Steve Green
1: <laughs> I bet Steve. We could ask him if you want. Who's going to say yes? I will. I would rather have a season. No, not rather.
3: Go- no one. I agree with you. I agree
1: with you on the rather. But then, is that not a direct, a direct line to greatest? Like well, I would have more a more rather- impressive,
3: most impressive. I think what Indiana as this a is,
1: this is a separate yeah, discussion I'm, I'm now. I'm changing it. That's fine. Okay,
3: one of the two most impressive seasons in the history of Indiana basketball was 74-75 because going undefeated and Ward beating the teams that they beat and the way that they beat them, Mm -hmm. the margin of victory in the Big Ten Conference, they blew teams out. They were
1: pantsing them. It was just humiliating. I think
3: there was one game that was close in the Big Ten, and that one game is the game Scott May got injured. Right, Purdue. Purdue. They just won by one. So most impressive— Let's just say this. It's a historic season. It's an amazing,
1: maybe the greatest team to ever play college basketball.
3: And we didn't want it to uh, rush through it. So we broke it up into its own thing. We've gotten great response from the Greeno interview part one. The guy is just the best storyteller. He sent us some pictures of the books that he was talking about with Coach Knight. I tweeted them out. I'm glad he did. So I want everybody to go look. Coach Knight sent Greeno books before his freshman year, to study the strategy that Bob Knight was trying to employ. And Greeno still has them, and he sent us pictures of them. So please go on our Twitter, at Hoosier Hysterics, no vowels and hysterics. You can check those out. But that said, I say we just get on with it.
1: Greeno, part two. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back. We're back for part two. Just in case they're going to listen to part two before part one because they got to listen to both. Why don't you give them a little summation of who this incredible human being is? You mean tell
3: them about the three-time Big Ten champion? Yes. The Indiana co-captain in 1974 and 75, the leading scorer from the 74 and 75 teams? Correct. uh, Drafted into the NBA, Indiana University Hall of Famer. Is that who you're talking about?
1: He's the one.
3: Let's talk about Steve Green. Yeah.
1: Hey. Man, I want to
0: meet that dude. <laughs> I'm a big Indiana fan. I want to meet him.
3: <laughs> uh, Greeno, besides all those accomplishments, maybe the biggest that we now have to add to the list is the first part two Hoosier Hysterics podcast interview ever. I mean, the first one. Congratulations.
0: Well, hey, thank you. I It is an honor. <laughs> and that, that, that That evidently means the other guys were – Stayed within their lanes, but me, nah, I'm, I'm beyond that now, man. I'm at an age I, I'm ready to rock and roll. Plus, you, you got a guy that we went back into some history, man. We were yeah. in the
3: forties. Yes, we did before that.
1: That was the thing. What we were, we were so delighted to be able to to get back to to Coach Dean and Coach McCracken with you that we realized we were about an hour in before we even got to to, to Bloomington with you. How about that? Yeah,
0: what's Oh, I, you know, and and yes, I love to talk about the teams I played on and the guys I played with, and and Coach Knight and all that. But uh, as I told you earlier, I just I've loved Indiana University basketball for a long time, and, uh, and and I know I left some people out. I know I left some stories out too. But hey, you know, there's always part three. <laughs> <laughs> Any
3: time. But, I, I, but, I I do have to tell you though, just this is what what I love about what this podcast has become. We put the podcast interview part one out last Tuesday. People immediately listen to it, and then we get messages. I don't know if anybody's reached out to you yet, uh, yep. Greeno, but yep. including, by the way, Andrew. Thank who, you, Andrew. Yes, who <laughs> uh, was very appreciative of the shout-out. He reached out My and man. loved the interview. Yeah. All right,
2: Andrew
0: W. By okay, I don't want to give too much away. No, hippo but violations, I will— yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: I will tell you, Greeno, though, you are walking a dangerous line here because— you are now going to have people that just come in for consultations and just want to talk your ear off about basketball. They just love listening to you talk about Indiana. That's going to be your new practice.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. (laughs) For 30 years here in Indianapolis, What's always been uh, really interesting with, with patients, because we, you know, you know this guys, you, you know how crazy Indiana basketball is here. It, I mean, and we're talking at at all levels, right? High school, college, and uh, and, and since I played for the home team here in the pros, there were times that uh, people would come in after the weekend and say, "Hey, how about that game?" And the Pacers would have played, and IU would have played, and believe it or not, there are people that are just Pacer fans hmm. and people that are just IU fans, and I'd kind of go yeah, which you know, without embarrassing, like, which
2: one are we talking
0: about? And I, I kind of wait for them and say, yeah, you know, Coach Knight was, okay, good. Now I'm in IU territory. All right. You know. Or if they said, well, you know, Slick got, okay, I, I know where I am. So, yeah, yeah, I saw that game. You know, so anyway, well, uh, that's what I love about Indiana.
3: Us too. And and I love that people listen to your interview with us. And and we hate calling them interviews because they're not. They're conversations that oh, we have. We love it. Agree. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Ron Freed, uh, I hope he does not mind me giving him his, na- his name out here, but he has been an avid listener of ours from almost the beginning. And he's been around a long time. And he sent me an, uh, a personal email laying out his relationship with Coach Everett Dean. Oh, no. yes, Beautiful. he, he Beautiful. Not to not to give it all away, but he says he yep. first met Coach Dean in the fifties when his dad and Ron farmed his land for him, not far from Livonia, Indiana, which is a, a small <laughs> town in Washington County. Yeah, uh, and Got they it. made this deal with Coach Dean's farm that that uh, Ron and his family came in and farmed the land and then split the proceeds from the crops that were. Uh, as a result of the farming, and yep. and Coach Dean became a, a presence in his life, and even when Coach Dean was at Stanford, convinced Ron to go to Indiana University, and really told him you should really? go there, and and was a a huge influence in his life, uh, and talked about just how sweet, and like you said, gentle of a man oh, that he was. Yeah, so again, yeah, it's just guy. this incredible way of just kind of fleshing out these people that we just read about and in little texts here and there well and they become and, full people and and greener sure.
1: maybe you can illuminate this or maybe ron ends up doing this after hearing this uh eric maybe you know did coach dean end up taking that stanford job because things were going well at iu when i was just kind of going back and looking through it as yeah. time like w- w- why why did he leave
0: yeah yeah it, and you would know more i i'd have to go back and just remind myself and i, I i'll be very honest uh i I don't know the detail there, like I do maybe with uh, Branch McCracken, and you know from that point forward. But uh, no, I, I you know it, it was it was just strange that he had a high level of success at Stanford, you know, and uh, and here you know what a great coach, what a great Hoosier, and uh, but it, it was at Stanford that he got a, you know, a lot of national acclaim. So I, I, I don't know all the particulars. So you know, lay it on me,
1: man. I, he he essentially I left. IU to Coach McCracken, who then turned around and won a national championship right away. And then like a a, a year later, Coach Dean won one at Stanford.
0: Yeah, Stanford, yep. Yep,
3: Here's what what I would say, and some of our Indiana fans may not like this, but Uh (laughs) let's just take a step back (laughs) to... Indiana University, in we're talking 1937, 38, right, around here? Okay. Okay. No national championships in basketball at this point, right? Mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. Basketball is meaningful in Indiana, but it's not what it became. And Coach Everett Dean, who grew up on a farm in Indiana. Livonia. Hard yeah. conditions, snow in the wintertime, heat like crazy in the summertime, gets a phone call. <laughs> here comes Hey, the- <laughs> hey, Everett. You want to come to Northern California <laughs> yeah. and enjoy that for a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, but. yeah. How about that? Maybe that's why he left Indiana. Uh, you never know. I mean, uh,
0: you know, even a good old farm boy like that is like, yeah, let me let me good. try a little of that. Uh, the, a little taste of that for a while. Absolutely. Yeah, might might have
1: factored in. This so, this yeah. is going to be where our listeners call us out for our California bias. Yeah, exactly.
3: Oh,
0: okay. yeah. Uh, well, hey, man, it's it's not like that's the worst place in the world to live. So, no. hey, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, I hate hate the fact that uh, you know the the whole state is having a difficult time right now with yeah. the fires and all that but uh, hope you guys are safe and and everybody listening is too
3: we we are and thank you for saying that and yeah they are it just gets worse and worse every year out here but uh all right let that's not what this podcast is about right. let's let's go back to where we left off the last one which is we have just completed a championship season you not, guys
1: are the reigning ccta tourney champs that's right and, One
3: and only,
0: and thank God for that. <laughs> that that's everybody in sports, uh, coll- collegiate basketball, is thank God that was a one-time thing. There, it, it, it happened. There so. is an
3: urban legend story that I heard that Coach Knight, who got the trophy for that tournament, kind of dragged it on the floor on the way off the court after oh, he won geez. it.
0: Hey, hey, I don't know cuz I don't think I was hanging around. For, <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, game over, We're, you know, season over, the tournament's over. Let's get out of here. I mean, even though it, again it's not like we didn't face really good competition. You know, Ernie Grunfeld was on Tennessee's team at that time. Uh, you know, that was before Bernie showed up uh, Bernard King. Uh, but, you know, then, like I said, Southern Cal had uh, yeah,
3: 15 and, in the country, and, by the way,
0: you know, right. And, and Gus Williams was a great pro and John Lambert also, you know, I think he was the number one draft choice of Cleveland that year. So Southern Cal had a good team. And uh, so, you know, there, there was good competition and, and you know, we kind of laughed like uh, when Coach was not gonna, yeah, let's don't play this thing, you know. But he did mention, yeah, but it would give, you know, people more, uh, you know, more more time to, to mature. And specifically, Kent Benson. We mm. and, and when it, you know, as it turned out, I don't know if you know it, you know, he was the most valuable player of that tournament, hmm. you know. So he got three really good games in, and very honestly, you know, and I forgot to mention this the other. Uh, day when we talked, that uh, we actually did finally say, okay, because we didn't have a senior on the team in 73-74. There were no seniors. So, so, you know, it was the, the junior class, uh, you know, my class, Laz, and, and Steve Allfeld and you know, Camster and Doug Allen. You know, we were like two years the oldest members of the team. So we looked at those three games as the first three games of the next year. Mm. So that really started us on the undefeated uh, next year, you know. So that's why we, we ran off thirty four in a row because we we started with those three. Uh, but we, it was it was a me- I mean it, that was a deliberate discussion of guys. We're all coming back next year, so let's start right now. Mm. And then mm. that was it. So it was kind of cool.
3: So one thing before we get to uh, the the magical run that your your team ended up going on. Something else happened in your run at Indiana, and I believe you were on this recruiting visit. There's a kid playing basketball in a little town called French Lick, Indiana. Yep. That was pretty good at the game of basketball, though nobody knew he was going to become what he became. But there was a kid by the name of Larry Bird that Coach Knight wanted to get for the Indiana Hoosiers. Right. But in a much different time where recruiting was very different, instead of Coach Knight going to French Lick, he sent some players to French Lick from the current team to go see if he could get him and see what's up, get him to come to Indiana. And the players that he sent were, do you remember Mr. Green?
0: I absolutely do. And I hope everybody verified it It was, it was Benny and Laz and myself. Yes.
3: Mm -hmm. Tell us about that trip.
0: And and, uh, I, I tell this story often. I've told it to Larry and, and uh, it was, uh, Hey, go down, you know, visit with his kids so we you know we just climbed in our car and drove down spent the whole day with Larry and his mother and his coach and we you know ate pizza we shot around we you know it was a beautiful day I remember that we shot hoops and you know that kind of thing got in the car on the way home and we all pretty much looked at each other and goes at least I thought you know that that kid's not coming here. You know, there's no way he didn't, because he didn't say one word. We didn't, we didn't remember. It's like, he hates us. And 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 So I go in and I report that to coach Knight. I said, coach, you know, forget about him. He, he doesn't talk. He, you know, he's not interested. He's blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, yeah. He goes, okay, well, you know, well, that's, that's the way it is. And about two weeks later, Coach co- brings me in. And he goes, you know, you don't really know anything about recruiting, do you? And I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, Larry Burgess signed with us. And he said, yeah, you know, he, he's coming to Indiana. I go, what? Are you kidding me? After that visit? He goes, yeah, you guys, uh, you know, did a pretty good job, I guess. And, and there he was. And I go, I, I, I'm still to this day, dumbfounded. I said, there's no freaking way that he wants to come here. But, but he did but as you know didn't stay
1: very did, long did,
3: did you that's get, another
0: story yeah well
3: we're going to get into that
1: yeah, yeah and and whether it was when you guys went to french lick or as we get into the stories of him coming to campus was there a moment before he he left unceremoniously that you were like whoa he's he could be special did you see that at all yet you, you know we
0: we didn't and i remember uh, Going with Steve Offeld to Hinkle to see the Indiana All-Star Summer Basketball Series and when when Larry, you know, Larry made the team. You know, he wasn't Mr. Basketball, you know, in 74. I remember I was co co-Mr. Basketball. By the way, Steve I think it was Steve uh, Steve Collier was one of them. And I, I don't know, I can't remember right now. I think somebody from Anderson, so forgive me on that, but I knew Stevie Collier because his dad and my dad played it together at Hanover and I, I knew I knew Steve when he was like in the sixth grade playing with college guys at Hanover and <laughs> and and just him you know, their their jocks. I mean, he was really, really good. So but that was the team and I was there to see Steve as much as I was to see Larry. But you know, that's what we did back then It's like, hey, you know, we've got a recruit coming in, let's see him and and, you know, very honestly and and, and I think part of the, the reason that I say this is because I didn't have a very good all-star series, but that's not a real predictor, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like Larry, you know, set the record for most points and rebounds at the Indiana All-Star Classic or anything like that. Uh, That was George McGinnis, of course, but (laughs) uh, but not a a bad player. But, uh, but you know, it just isn't. That's, you know, those all-star teams and it just doesn't fit. Uh, you know some kids as well as others, but uh, nonetheless, no, I, I, I had no, no idea. I'd, I'd like to be able to claim that I, I was the one saying, "Hey, this guy is <laughs> unbelievable." We, you know, you can't believe it. He's going to be a great pro. And <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna. You know, trash talk with the best of them. No, I, I mean, you know, isn't that ironic? You know, I'm, I'm talking about a guy that doesn't say a word on a recruiting trip, and then he's the greatest trash talker that ever lived. That's, no
3: kidding. That's cool. But, oh, yes. Yeah, by best. the way, it was uh, Roy Taylor was the Roy, other Mr. Yeah, in the, Roy, yeah, Mr. Basketball. Yeah, Roy Taylor.
0: That's right.
3: So, yep, thank you. So then, so then, Bird gets to campus. What is your memory, if anything, of that short time of him being on campus? We did talk to Benny, who okay. did tell us about a pickup game. That, okay. that would happen, and and Benny said that he, you know, he took some some responsibility for rubbing him the wrong way because yep. the way Benny explained yep. it to us is he was a freshman and yep. fr- there was a, a pecking order yep. and uh, and and maybe Larry did not like the fact that Benny was very adamant about what the pecking order was and uh, but what do you remember from all that?
0: You're gonna, you know, I, I, I'm going to tell you that Quinn Buckner and I have exactly the same memory of Larry Bird being there because. But we were on a, uh, and I mentioned maybe this earlier that Quinn and I played on a uh, a team of uh, all stars that played against the Russians in the fall. It was the first two weeks of school, and of course, uh, you know I was all for it. Heck yeah, let's go! Miss two weeks of school, yeah, I to play <laughs> basketball, I, I'm in. All right, so so anyway, we're playing. By the time, guys, that we got back, once our tour was over, he was already gone. I never, I never played one pickup game, and you know Quinn didn't either because we were on this, you know, USA Russia swing, uh, which was uh, really really cool. You know, that was with North Carolina State they had combined this you know they had won the nc2a's in 74 and then so they took the six best players or the returning players including david thompson and my best friend monty tau and and all the guys and then they added six other you know uh, collegiate players to play the russians uh but no by the time we got back larry was gone and i remember saying "Hey, coach where's larry you know and coach was kind of like well you know, he left, wasn't went comfortable here, whatever, and, and it was kind of one of those, hey, don't worry about, it, we'll be fine. And it's like, oh, okay, okay, that's fine. Well, and by that time, very honestly, we were, and this may be part of what, what Benny was experiencing too, i got to remember, by that time, we were a pretty... Confident, not cocky, but confident group. We've been together now a couple of years. Like I said, we were no seniors the year before, so it was the same team that came back. We added some freshmen, you know, Jimmy Wissman, uh, who was I think Bird's roommate, and uh, and then uh, Mark Haymore I believe, and was Wayne uh, Radford, and, that, and Wayne, my my buddy Wayne Radford, uh, who played a, a lot that year. Uh, but yeah, we just added those those guys, and we were you know we were pretty well set. To tell you the truth so sure. we didn't we didn't think much about it until scott broke his arm <laughs> you know and, and that by the way you know uh i remember i told coach you know because i told you we we did a lot of uh speaking together and roasting you know each other and, and i loved coach Knight's sense of humor he was i thought i was quick sometimes, that he's he's lightning fast on humor and uh and i, I remember telling me, you know, we were telling the story, I said, you know, gosh, you know, Bird left that year, and, and, and you know, Scotty breaks his arm, and I said, you know, coach, that would have been, you know, wouldn't that have been something to bring uh, Larry Bird off the bench to fill in for Scott May, and he looked at me, and he goes, what do you mean, Larry Bird coming off the
2: bench, it would have been you. <laughs> I said,
0: wait a minute, big boy, <laughs>
2: no,
0: your playing time was going to be gone, you know, Scott May and Larry Bird at the forwards, and and reserve Steve Green. I, mean, you know, I don't know about that, but yeah, he's probably right. So anyway.
3: I, I was gonna wait on this because uh this is something that has come up many times with with uh former players of Coach Knight, but it seems like a good time since you just brought it up. We all know Coach Knight for the ultra intense, you know, just in your face, kind of rage-filled, won't accept anything less than perfection coach. But like you just said, one of the most endearing things about him to those of us who did just grow up loving him is his sense of humor. He oh. he just could be so funny. Yep. And anything that pops to mind besides that great story you just told us, any funny story that you have from from your years being with him that you could share with us?
0: Oh my! You know there there are just so many funny things. But I, very honestly, guys. And I bet other players have said this too. They were funny to us, and you know that with, with you've got a circle of friends that things are funny to you guys. That if you said it to others, it's it's not so funny. I, I you know we we all have funny stories, but it's interesting. When I get together with the, the guys, you know, and Aber and Jimmy Cruz are here in Indianapolis, you know, uh, as well as so many other guys, Steve Offeld. And, and, uh, when we get together and you know, see each other at a game or something like that, and we have a chance to reminisce, some of the funniest stories we tell are, or, or when he was really serious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was really shooting somebody's butt. Okay. So, I mean, it's funny, but he, was, he wasn't trying to be. Right. But to us, it, it was. And there, there are a couple of those. But no, he, I just, uh, he he just always had that wit, and uh, I, I loved. After I graduated, when we we would, uh, I, re, I remember being on a, a panel with him. We were uh, uh, we were raising money. It was out of the five hundred, uh, you know, in the track that when when it was a whole month long, and and uh, Digger was there, and uh, there was a a, a columnist by, by the name of Bob Collins. And uh, you know, wrote for the Star. And Collins had a microphone, an, an open hot mic, and Coach Knight had an open mic. And so when the guys would come up to roast Coach Knight, they could respond in real time. <laughs>
2: it,
0: it got, it got, and it was packed. It was, I mean, they were you know raised a ton of money, and but I'm telling you the. The colorful language was extraordinary, and and when you have Bob Knight on one side, and then Bob Collins was as quick as anybody too, and anything you said to roast them, they came right back in real time. You know, and and it was. Uh, it, it was a bloodbath, <laughs> and they won, and they won. So that's, that's, that's all I can tell you. Is he, that's good. He, he's the best. He's the best. He's, well, he can outdo me.
1: Well, something else you were hinting at there with what the rotation would have been had, had Larry stuck around Bloomington yeah. is something that I'm curious as we get into the season and what many would argue was the greatest college basketball team of all time, top to bottom. What did the rotations look like, you know, who's who's going out there at the beginning of the season to start the season and is those the starters yep. the whole time and who's who's coming yep. in and in, in what situations and matchups. Just give us a feel for for who was out on the court as you guys got rolling.
0: Yeah, we we really had established ourselves by the end of that and that was what was so important about the the previous year because we didn't rely on any senior in in any way. Shaper, you know, it was all us coming back, so we pretty much we, we knew when we started that year it was uh, you know, Bobby and Quinn, Bobby Wilkerson and Quinn Buckner at the guards, and Scotty and me at the forward, and, and Benny in the middle, you know, that's that was for sure. And of course, Laz was you know, super sub for a reason, and that's because he could plug in just about anywhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Tom Abernathy, you know, and we already mentioned Wayne had. Got time, uh, it, you know, and really got to remember uh, very honestly, everybody got time because we would, you know, we might be way ahead with, you know, 15 minutes to go in the second half, so everybody got to play. Uh, but that was our the solid five uh, that started every game, and uh, then we had, uh, you know, substitution patterns that basically involved those three guys uh, for the most part but it, you know steve Allfeld got involved you know uh and uh you know we, we we had we had other guys and i just can't remember now just to, to what extent but we were pretty solid there and, and, and it always made for interesting uh first five minutes of a game because you know you're looking over there and and you know, Laz is, is salivating. You know, he knows he's getting in, right? He's not starting, he's cool with that. But he knows one thing: Hey, one of you guys out there screws up, guess who's <laughs> coming in? So don't screw up. Well, so so there was a lot of incentive. You might get buried. I mean, you you might, you know, play a bad first five minutes, and then guess what happens? You're you're out. Aber comes in for you, or Laz comes in, or, or Wayne, and. All of a sudden, yeah, you don't get. To, you may not get back out there. You know in this until the second half sometimes. So you, there was a lot of you know positive pressure. I, we love that, and I always. That's why I have joked for years. I said, you know, when you were talking about my shooting percentage how it went up my junior and senior year. Well, you know what? If you miss two in a row, and you're going to be sitting on the bench. You get real, real good at shooting. I I was, I was one. My my classic was. I always wanted to hit that first shot of the game. You know, I want to get that one out of the way. So, okay, I'm shooting one for one. All right, even if I miss the next one, I'm still at fifty percent. You know, so I, I I bought myself some time. But sometimes it just it didn't happen. And in fact, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but to that point we when we played at michigan state and there there was a whole thing that goes on there that maybe we, you know we'll wait for that okay, because that's big ten yeah. wait wait on that because that that was the, the infamous walkout so remind ourselves to talk about that Great. one but uh, good story on that uh, I-
3: it is funny when you talk about the depth of this team i mean just looking at it and again not to jump too far ahead But coming off the bench on that team, you did have Laz, you did have Wayne, you had Abernathy, and you had Cruz. Those are four players. Of those four, three went to the NBA. I mean, you have three backups, and on your team, that 74-75 team, you have eight players who were drafted into the NBA. I mean, this is one hell of a loaded team. Now, what is interesting, and we want to get into it with you afterwards, is... It is arguably one of the best college basketball teams ever to play. Clearly, many of these guys played in 75-76, won the championship. Eight go on to the NBA. But no superstars in the NBA. Yet one of the best college basketball runs ever. And I kind of want to, when we get past the season, I do want to get into it with you, why you think that was the case. Well, and and I
1: think this might touch on it a, a little bit, is that we are now entering Coach Archie Miller's third season. You guys, you're you're going into your uh your senior year and Coach Coach Knight. You guys now have had 3 seasons. Yep. More or less collectively as you're going and you're you're a captain again, along with Quinn, if I yep. recall correctly. You're right. You're and right. and so how much of it is this sort of knowing what coach wants? Maybe even you yep. saying coach know what coach wants and now and you guys know that too, and, and a chemistry that develops around being around guys for several seasons and the same coach and all just getting on the same page. Was it was it something as soon as you showed up for this season or even ending with that CCTA tourney you guys all had almost a preternatural understanding of what you were supposed to do or did you was there still room to get better during this season cuz you guys it's like you guys were destroying people this season so it seems yeah. like it was all dialed in from day 1 but did you see a growth happening as as the game started to go by
0: uh, no question but it, it, it was a little bit of both you know this familiarity was so we, we trusted each other so much and we trusted coach you know because remember my sophomore year I didn't trust him at Purdue and I, right. I learned the hard way you know that you know you know so by, by this time even a rockhead like me was like yeah I think he's pretty good so <laughs> you know so though know, there was a trust there and and even even we go back to the spring you know uh after the you know, we we won that tournament, and it was you know the spring of my junior year, and we're bringing in recruits. I remember one t- top-notch recruit that we brought in, and uh, I, I, I did you know, Quinn, I think Quinn and Scott and Bobby, and maybe somebody else, Jimmy Wisman. So I, I can't remember. There were three or four guys that were in charge of this recruit. I'm not going to name. You know, I know his name. You know, to this day because this this was a classic that he came in on Friday. So they, the, those guys get together with this guy and after just spending one evening, the Friday night with him, the, the questions this guy had, the, the character that, that, you know, the, 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 our players thought about this guy, they literally went to Coach Knight Saturday morning and S- Coach had not seen the guy yet. He hadn't shook his hand, he hadn't seen him, and they said, he's not for us, Coach.
2: He wow. said, we,
0: we, we don't want him, and Coach, without, he said, send him home. And the kid flew home. Wow. And didn't even meet didn't even meet Coach Knight at all. But hey, that's Quinn, that's Scott, that's Bobby, you know. Did Jim, that kid no. go
3: on to be a really good basketball player?
0: He actually went to Kansas.
3: Oh really? I was gonna guess Purdue.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but uh yeah and uh wow. and, and ironically you know you know we you know we'll talk about it but kansas was the toughest the toughest game from a box score standpoint an yep. overtime game second sure. game of the year right yep and he was on that team but you know what he wasn't he wasn't made for us and those guys said it and coach just he didn't bat an eye said, send him home put him wow. on a plane get him out of here so uh Anyway,
1: so uh, before so we, we had we had a high
0: level of trust. Yeah, what, that, that, that was a real key going,
1: going both ways. Because I think oh, yeah, everybody really... yeah, that
0: was exactly. And and that's a that's a neat thing. You know, you, you everybody talks about coaching. You know, it's dominant. And it's it's coach's way or the highway or whatever. Well, you know what? We've gotten to the point where no, it's our way. That includes coach Knight. That includes us. We we know the way now. We 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 got a pretty darn good idea, which is why. I told you, when we started the year and we got everybody together first practice, said, hey, boys, let's don't get, you know, let's don't be dumb about this. It ain't going to be pretty if we lose. And we don't (laughs) want to go through that. I don't know about you. I've been through enough of those after losses practice. I'm not doing it. I'm a senior. I'm done. (laughs) Win them all, and we got it you know, that, that's that's the way we're going to play this one. And, you know, almost did.
1: Well, and I love, and you're there in Colts territory, so you know about the whole Frank Wright 1-0 and 0 every week mentality. Yeah, But right. I love right. that you just put it out there at the beginning of the season, like, guys, oh, let, no. let's not lose any games. And it's not for, like, glory. It's just because you don't want to deal with the practice <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah,
2: you
0: don't want to deal with that. And, and you know what else, guys? That And this was an, a, a really good, positive chip on our shoulder we went into every game and, and it wasn't just that year but it, it was certainly but for sure by that year we we had a feeling you know what it's a shame for a team to beat us because we know one thing we worked harder than any team we were going to play I mean that's the way we felt Now, whether it was true or not doesn't make any difference we we absolutely positively knew that we worked so hard this week we worked absolutely harder than this team and what a shame to let a team that didn't work as hard as we did this week beat us that was it it was just plain and simple not gonna happen not gonna happen we worked too hard for this and, and, th- and that's the way we took it one game at a time it's just one opponent at a time and because i don't think we sat down at the start of the season and looked at our schedule and said well okay here's where it's going to be tough Here's right. where you know we, we knew where it was you know Hey, we're going to go to Purdue. It's going to be tough. All right, guys, get over it. We're going to go to Ohio State. You know, we're going to we're going to play some places that are. It's just not going to be easy to win, but we're not going to lose. So figure it out.
3: So before we get game by game here and, and focus on the kind of Big Ten pole games, we just love hearing teammates talk about teammates. Tell us how good was Scott May?
0: Oh, you know uh, now. I'm going to start out by being the wise-ass that I am. because Somebody <laughs> asked me that, you know, said, Hey, you know, who, who, who do you consider, you know, you know, Scott may the best forward you ever saw. And I go, Yeah, I I think so, because I I never had a chance to watch myself
3: play. (laughs) I mean, you were the leading scorer. You were the leading scorer. You know,
0: I I can't possibly give a critique of myself, so I'm going (laughs) to say that's what I've seen? Absolutely. (laughs) No, but but no, Scott was. I mean, he was just – he was strong, and he was smart, and he, you know, could shoot – could defend, you know, rebound, and you know, you know he he was the whole package by that year. And, and remember, you know, he did not play his freshman year, right. so that year it was the start of only his second year. And and his he didn't have a smooth. You know, sophomore season necessarily, he was like everybody else in coach's system. You got to, you know, pay some dues. You 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 have good games, bad games, and then for him to come in and play the way he did as a junior, and then well, you know, outstanding again as a senior. But that that junior year, we, you know, coach knew one thing. I mean, and, and he wasn't, you know, bragging, and he wasn't you know blowing smoke or anything. He 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 said, "I've got the best pair of forwards in America, mm-hmm. and we're going to play to our strength," and and that's. And I loved, hey, man, you know, if you're a forward in Coach Knight's system, forward or center, you're an idiot if you don't like his offensive scheme. Because it was all (laughs) get it to the forwards, let them shoot it. And I was like, you know what, Coach? That's a pretty good idea.
1: (laughs) so So, So he made that statement before Larry left campus. No, I'm yeah. just kidding with the oh, green yeah, 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 yeah. It had to be.
0: Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we yeah, we have the best pair of forwards and this kid Green. That's, that's not right. bad. Yeah, that would have been it. Yeah. You know. So
3: tell us about Benny and what kind of player he was.
0: Yeah, and and Benny uh, has anybody? Did Benny tell you about his recruiting uh, story?
3: He did a little bit. He he gave us a little bit of the Kentucky <laughs> recruiting, but not a ton. But if you've got something, let us have. it. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, come on Benny I know. Share, I'll share it and he'll he'll say he can recite this this word for word what I'm going to tell you but so Benny was a big you know big target and, and it's interesting remember I told you when coach Knight talked to me as a senior in high school laid it out hey by your senior year we want to be in this yeah position he actually also he said and, and you know we're going to have to get a uh, you know, a center because he knew Downey would be gone, you know, and he, he hadn't even coached Downey yet, but he just knew that, hey, yeah, you know, he's going to be a junior, then a senior. So we need to be bringing somebody in. So we, so we had identified Kent Benson as, you know, the, the guy we really wanted. And so we were real, you know, uh, we, we were in Newcastle as much as we could be, you know, we could legally be and recruit and, and watch him and, and buddy up with Newcastle people, the whole deal. We, we wanted Kent bad. And so his recruiting uh, visit to IU came after he was he went to Kentucky, and he probably told you that you know they had the band playing and right. you know all that, right? Well, now he comes to us, and coach says, "All right, Green, you're gonna you're gonna host uh, Kent Benson, and uh, so I want him you know staying with you." And well, I was in the Fiji fraternity house, and uh, I I was in a four man room, and I roomed with. Two uh, football players, Mark Finley and uh, Terry Woodburn, and, and Jim Sinclair is our other uh, roomie, and I've mentioned those guys because they, <laughs> they will vouch for this. So Benson's going to stay with us, right? You, you know, he's not a small guy, right? <laughs> so I don't know about you, but it, it was a stretch to get for me to get into bunk beds, you know, right. fraternity. Well, so so for Benny, we rolled out the red carpet. And it was literally, literally put put him (laughs) two uh, mattresses together on the floor. And that's where you're staying, Mr. Recruit. (laughs) You're going to spend the night here. But boys, remember my recruiting trip. When did I go? Little five. Guess what? This was little five. Um. So as in the fraternity uh, sorority system, you know that you pair up and we paired up with a sorority. And then, you know, Sometimes we'd go serenade their house, and sometimes they'd come serenade. Well, fortunately for us on this Friday night, uh, they were serenading in the Fiji house, the girls. I mean, just, you know, 20, 25 beautiful girls that they came to our room to serenade, you know, sing a song. Well, Benny, his eyes got. As huge as pumpkins, like whoa! Look at this. These great. Oh, this is great. They're sick. "What's going on here?" And, and you know, he—you he, could tell he was just. This is the coolest. And oh, there are women right here. And 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 swear, um, I, I turned to him, looked at him, and I said, "Every night." <laughs> happens every (laughs) freaking night and he
2: goes really
0: and i go oh yeah (laughs) nothing about the little five nothing about no no this is what happens here and he was like Wow, you know so, the so the Van Arsdales pre- got you by telling like you
3: guys, the, exactly, yeah, you the, the, the girls, and now you're getting Benny bad.
0: Hey, you know, Kentucky offers money, but they don't offer beautiful women that sing every night.
2: <laughs> so, and, and,
0: and, and that's the way. it very honestly, we always thought Benny. Don't be so naive. But that night I was so happy. It was naive, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I I can't. Yeah, I'm sure. And he just laughs every time we. You know, he he said, "Let me tell it this time." Go ahead. You know, same thing. But uh, Uh, but anyway, no. He so. When he arrived as a freshman, that's what we needed. That was the piece, you know. So now that's my junior year. and Now uh, Scott and Bobby Wilkerson are eligible to play, and we, you know, we that that's that's going to be. We, we had a lot of really good wins, and we made a lot of progress that year. But none so important as getting Kent Benson up to speed. And I mean, Quinn was on him constantly in practice, you know, we bark at him, we, you know, tough love and then compassion and then tough, more tough love. And, you know, when coach would yell at him, then we'd take him aside, make sure, you know, he didn't get upset. And so, you know, that we, we nurtured that, but man, he had, he had the talent. I mean, he just did. I mean, there's no question about it.
3: He had the talent, but, if it weren't for you and Laz and probably Buckner, he probably would have left because he told us there were multiple times where he was getting in his car he and was, heading back. He yep, was
0: walking to yep, his car. And yep. Guys, let me tell you, did I ever come close? Yes. And, I'm, and, I'm, and that's no disrespect. It's, sure. it's just how – and it was my sophomore year, and and I, I've said this forever that the, the most important thing that happens to an IU basketball player when, they, when that time comes – and we all, you know, flirted with it. And I did the same thing is who's going to answer the phone when I make the call home, you know, or to make the call to whomever is important in my life to, to whine to them. And in my case, in the, my sophomore year, it, it was it was terrible as January. You know, that's we hadn't even started Big Ten play. and We just had lost down at South Carolina. And I, you know, I, I was kind of scared. And, I, and plus, I said, I, I don't know. I can't hang. And, and and now I know January, February is the toughest time, you know, when you're a collegiate player. Uh, it, it really is because it's not, you know, the end of the season is still far enough away and you've played enough games. And I remember calling my dad, who, as you know, was a high school basketball mm-hmm. coach. And and I said, Dad, I man, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can can keep this up. I, I really don't kn- don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I'm going to ever please, coach. Uh, you know I've had good games, but I just I, I don't know if I'm going to cut it. And my dad, being this is the importance of who answers the phone. He said, son, I tell you what, look, hang in there for this semester, and we'll talk about it. You know at the end of the year, I promise you that. But you you don't do yourself any favors by you know giving up right now. Let's finish the year out well you know what we did. We end up in the final four, <laughs> you know, we have, ex- we win the big 10 championship. And sure enough, at the end of the year, my dad came up to me and said, no, Steve, l- l- let's sit down here. You know, cause you know, I promise you, we're going to talk about where you might want to transfer to. And I looked at him like, We you're a fool. I'm not transferring from
2: Indiana. <laughs> and
0: he looked at me kind of with that wink, like, yeah, I know, <laughs> you know, That's you, just, great. you just, and I've, I've seen it through the years that, who, who, you know, when a kid gets down and they all do, who, who's on the other end? Is it, is it a knucklehead that says, you know what? You're better than that. Get, get out of there. That's that right. not good for you. And I, and I can name some players that I know got bad advice. And then I know others that, you know, what had good caring parents like Kent and good friends that Kent had. It, it, Newcastle's a great supportive IU family. You know, you know, and, that, and we get another guy out of there. It's not too bad a little later on, right? Yeah, so yep. I mean, so we're so there. There's it did take it took a family, if you will, to not not just uh, raise a kid, but also to 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 be around that young man at the right time, and he. Obviously, did the right thing. He hung in there and got better and better and really good. Uh, by the time he was, you know, by the time he graduated, obviously, he was he was great.
1: You mentioned uh, Quinn being uh, a part of the support system around Benny. Yep. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit uh, about your co-captain?
0: Yeah. Oh well, yeah. QB was he, he just the, the, you know they they talk about winners. And some people just have it. He does. He's got charisma. He's got smarts. I mean, smartest. You know, he was always three, four passes ahead. And it was, you know, that was great for Coach to have on the floor as somebody that that saw that. And, you know, and Quinn's not out there thinking, you know what, if I don't average 25 points a game, I'm not going to be able to, you know, go on and play professional basketball. You know, you no, know, I'm going to be a basketball player and this is what I do. I'm a, you know, he was great defensively. He was uh, excellent when we needed him to, you know, we put him in the middle against some zones, you know, right on the free throw line and, and he was able to penetrate and either dish or lay it in against some of the best zone defenses but more more than that, he was you know was a great teammate, absolutely great. And you know if, if you you know very intuitive, of you know you couldn't couldn't fool. QB real easy. Mm. Uh, that, that wasn't going to happen. He, he'd already thought about it. You know, what was best for the team? What was best for the team? And, and, and that would bring individual things to all of us. And uh, he he was the best there was at that. But, I, you know, I can't sit here and list all of the, the positive things that as a basketball player, but, you know, he wasn't the smallest guy in the world, right? I mean, nice. this guy's a football player out there with the quickness, you know and the the ability to handle the ball and see the floor better than anybody absolutely
3: in in clips that I've seen uh and some I have some DVDs of old games and you watch Quinn play defense he he has this to me watching it even you know 3 decades 4 decades later Almost like that Mike Tyson, when Mike Tyson would come to the ring in just the towel, and y- you would just be scared of him. He just looked scary. <laughs> Quinn seemed to just be scary on defense. It just, uh, he just oh, seemed yeah. intimidating. He he was big, he was strong, and it just looked like there was an intensity in the way he played that I just cannot imagine being the opposing point guard oh. knowing that I had to get by him.
0: No, no, and, and you talk about uh, – you know a confidence level. How about having QB being the first guy that you meet if you're an offensive player, and if you're lucky enough to get around him one time, who's waiting on you, Bobby Wilkerson? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You know, good luck there. With it. So guys like me, you know, I always laugh about my defensive uh, <laughs> capabilities. Well, you know what? You really didn't have to be that good. <laughs> you know, by the time by the time it got to me, it had been through those two guys, Scott. And Benny, I, I was the classic switch, switch,
2: you know, <laughs> you know like,
0: help, help. You know, I was, I, I learned, I was the talking, you know, I I, I, I never understood why uh, players don't talk as much as I did out there. Was, I was, but I was, it was the same old thing, you know, help, 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 <laughs> help, 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 now, you know, all right, you know, and know, so anyway, uh, it, but you didn't have to do that much with those guys. It's honest to goodness,
3: I think that it, you know, from a, a fan's perspective, and especially a fan who came on the scene well after these teams, it's very easy to get a sense for your personality, Laz's personality, Quinn, obviously, he was in the public eye and has been for so long. Uh, Scott uh, was front and center, Benny, because he played in the NBA. But the guy that is an enigma, really, from a personality standpoint is the guy you just mentioned, Bobby Wilkerson, who yep. who, um, you know, was such an integral part of the team's success that year and the year after. Tell us a little bit about Bobby
0: yeah uh, and uh, again a quiet unassuming guy and you know early on you know we we are we're we're just more outgoing and uh, uh some of us were obviously yeah. so and he he not so much but he took it all in smart guy and uh You know, coach will tell you, you know, I've seen him in in front of thousand people giving a talk and say, Hey, anybody in here know who the the best all around player ever coached? You know, and everybody's saying, Well, that's Quinn or, you know, Calvert, you know, uh, know, and Bobby Wilkerson. I mean, because he jumped center for us. (laughs) I mean, you know, think about this. Our guard jumped center, didn't lose many, if any, taps, could defend. And again, you know, played so many years in the league and and not not a scorer, but could score. But, you know, didn't need to for our team because coach said, here's the deal. Scott and Steve and Benny, that's where we're headed. You know, we're going to throw it in and we're going to make sure those guys get good looks. And the guards, you know, play defense, you know, be the passers, be the assist makers. But we're not looking to you guys to be scorers out there. And they played the part. They knew they they knew big things would come to them if we had success as a team. And, and Bobby was that way, but but still sharp sharp sense of humor. You know, we called him Bobby Bland. You know, Bobby was just <laughs> you know man. You, when we went out, you talk about confidence. You know, those two guys right there. You know, Bobby's jumping center, and and Quinn and I had a little ritual before every game. I'd, I'd look around and we we'd kind of. You know, he'd be on one side, and I'd be on the other. And we just kind of pounded our own fist at, at each other. Nice. And it was almost like, all right, here we go again. And it was with a smile. it was like, we're going to kill these guys. <laughs> we're going to kill them. Let's get it over with quick. And, and we were, I don't know about anybody else on that team, but I always liked the fact that, hey, let's beat them in the first five. You know, you hear Coach talk about the first five minutes of each half is the most important. Well, what you want to do is you, you 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 know these guys. A lot of the teams by our senior year would come in, especially at Assembly Hall, really anticipating how good we were going to be. So why not? You know we're not going to disappoint them. And in the first five minutes, we wanted them looking at each other, and saying, "There's no way we can win. There's no way we give. You know we're we're going to just try to get out of here by." by not embarrassing ourselves too much. And, and you know, that's, that's a good place to be. If you're, you know, the team, that's the intimidator, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Well, there is uh, one thing I, I want to know you saying that about the first five minutes of each half and how important it is. I think that might be one of those examples of, of a coach night ism that trickled down really through generations of of, of Indiana basketball fans, players, yep. coaches, and even then permeated throughout the basketball world where that was maybe something he he made popular initially with your team. And maybe he would say it to a couple members of the media in his early time there. And by the time I was growing up playing basketball in Indiana, that was just a given because it came from coach Knight, and now it's part of the gospel of the land. And yep. it's, it'd be, yep. it'd be interesting to see how many, uh, the basketball philosophies now taken for granted in the state of Indiana started oh, with coach.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, uh, kind of a, in a funny way, we would hear about things from, you know, uh, Kids that played in high school, and you know, about the time we're, you know, we we're, were becoming more and more known and popular, and Coach Knight's, uh, you know, philosophy was, was, you know, on display, you know, once or twice a week on uh, Channel Four, and they would cuss that it's like, hey man, thanks for all the hard practices we had in high school because our coach thought, hey, I'm the next Bob Knight, you know, <laughs> and, he, and here's here's how you do it, and not everybody. Here's the deal, just. Just because, you know, you can't just go into practice and be mean and loud and, you know, have no purpose other than to be, you know, I'm going to be rough on you guys. That's not what Coach Knight was. It was about, hey, how good do you want to be? You guys ready to, you know, you want to be good? Then we're not going to waste today. That was, it was all about what are we doing today? to get better, and it's, you know, if you really want to get good, we're going to have to put the work in on it, and that's where it came from, and it actually, in that that way that we all felt, it it came from love from the standpoint of I don't want you wasting your time here. I I want you leaving the best basketball player and best person you possibly can be, and that was his, I think his genius right there was his ability to get that out of us. He got more out of me. I, I, I never would have thought I could do as well, and I'm not, you know, tooting my own horn at all, I, because I, I stood, stood back and I go, how did I how did I do some of these things? Well, <laughs> I was on, the, on the, a great team with great coaches. They set me up for it. I mean, I just did my part, and it wasn't extraordinary, but it was much bigger than I ever dreamed. And But he saw in me, and he saw in Quinn, and he saw in all the guys, you know, I, I see your potential. You don't even see it, mm-hmm. and you're, you're not going to achieve it unless I make sure you do achieve it and I'm going to do it any way I can. And sometimes that meant the tough love and other times it meant putting an arm around us and saying, Hey, you know what? You, you really played well last night. And then, boy, you know, you get one of those and we go, okay, where's the brick wall? Straight through it. Right. Mm-hmm. Coach, I'll be right back. I'm going through that wall for you because you gave me a compliment. All right. And so he, he knew just when you, just when you might be at a breaking point and then he goes, Stops practice and says something, you know. Hey Benson, uh, you know the last five minutes are the best five minutes I've seen a, a, a center ever play, or something to that effect. Well, shoot,
2: you know. <laughs> you don't think
0: you don't think the next thirty minutes are fantastic? I mean, mm. geez, he he just knew what to say and do, uh, and, and you know, he, he because he still was looking at your potential, you know not, you know, not relying on you to get it, but uh, you know, hey, I'll take care of that. That's why that's why I'm in coaching. So anyway, that's that's an aside there, but that's that's the you know fundamentally what I really really loved about playing for Coach.
1: Well, and I I think we're always looking for insights from those who played for him on why he was so special and one of the greatest to ever do it. And I think the yelling and the screaming and the chair throwing is is what uh, sticks a lot of times in the public memory and yep. often overshadows what the day to day reality was of of building champion after champion coming out of his practices.
0: Well, sure. And, and I'm, you know, I, I remember uh, saying this, I was down at Lubbock uh, visiting coach once and, and I said, you know, and we were talking about, you know, the last few years at IU and uh, success and some lack of success and, and you know, and, and I'm not disparaging anybody that played for him in the you know last five or 10 years, but, and it's not for everybody, but there, I think there were a few players that went to Indiana after you know he's got three championships. Guys are going to the league, the whole deal, and they basically came to IU and said, "Hey, I'm coming here so that you can, you know, get a get a NCAA uh, title for me, or you can make me, you know, go go into the pros." They they came for the wrong reason, not not to come and continue success hmm. here and, and play as a team here, and, and and maybe it's easy for me to say that because our our three or four years that I was there had to do with we were building the program, right? So maybe, you know, maybe I was spoiled that, that it was all about team and it was all about milestones and it was all about working hard to achieve, you know, greatness, if you will. And, and, and kind of seeing in others later on, it was like, no, I'm going to go there and he'll make me great. Well, that just doesn't work. You know, you gotta, right. you gotta go there and do your part and, and pay attention, and he'll make you as good as you could possibly be. And that may be great, but some people it's not going to be. You know, it's just the way it is. But anyway, that's, that's my opinion.
3: Well, let's get into this season. 1974-75 season uh, starts off a game against Tennessee Tech where you just trounce them by about 53 points. But then the yeah. second game of the year, like you talked about, is you are right into the fire. You are playing yep. Kansas in something that honestly just doesn't even happen anymore in college basketball, or rarely happens, which is a true road game against a non-conference opponent. That yep. The days of those have seemed to have gone by. If you're not playing in some neutral site tournament, then you're playing either home games against really bad teams, or again, neutral site games that, that nobody has a home, for, home court advantage. But you're playing Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse, They're ranked number seven in the country, and you go in this season that you have already laid the gauntlet down. We want to go undefeated. Walk us through that game and what you remember of that game.
0: Yeah, a couple things. We had played out there my sophomore year, so we we'd already been out and you know been in in this historic cathedral. You know that's that Allen Fieldhouse, I mean. That's that's a the place, and and for somebody like me, you know. Collegiate basketball nut, you know, growing up, uh, that was one of the the places I always dreamt of playing. Well, you know, we did that uh, my sophomore year, but now we come out, you know, as a really, really good team, and you know, not overconfident by any stretch, because hey, they weren't bad. That's for sure. They're top ten, and we're playing on their home floor, and it's early. It's early in the season, and. Uh, you know, and, and we did, we, we, you know, goes to overtime, you know, fortunately for us, it, it did, it went to overtime and then we, we dominated Scott did. I mean, he just took over, uh, in the, in the overtime period and we got out of there with what we went there for was a win, but not everybody had their best game, you know? And I think, you know, uh, guys can, you can look at stats and you can see who, who did and who didn't, but, uh, but, but certainly we rode uh, Scott quite a bit that game and, um, uh, but but it was close, man. It was close, it, and and you'll appreciate this too. That <laughs> I tell this to all my 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 buddies in Southern Indiana. You know, we're out there, and uh, uh, you know, before the game started, you know, you're you're sitting on the bench getting ready to be introduced, and somebody right behind us just stands up and yells, "Hey, you pig farmers, go home, go home!" <laughs> and we looked and turned around and go. You know this is Kansas, right? Pig farmers, <laughs> you're calling us pig. Far- I mean, it was. It was. We started laughing. at This guy. And he looked at us. and goes, "Yeah, I guess that. Yeah. I guess we're pretty much all pig farmers." I said, "Yeah, that's it." So we so do corn. Kind of that, we're corn. Yeah, yeah, we're corn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or something. You know, come on, be clever. But pig farmer, go home. You know. So, but but you know, so a little little levity there. But then it got serious. And I I remember, you know, in the locker room afterwards, it, it there there was a. That's that's probably the closest I saw us look at each other and say, "Are we or aren't we?" Mm, You know, know, I mean, it was it was really and so uh, probably the best thing. You know, you know, you always talk about those. I, I never did believe, and I know coach never believed in a, you know, hey, that was a good loss for us. <laughs> but, right. but you know, hey, that was a, an important win for us, but an important close game. So it set, set the stage. So, and he had our attention, you know, from that point forward. Hey, guys, this can't happen, and, you know, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't, well, even, even as good as they were.
3: <laughs> it certainly got your mind right for the next game, which is only three days later, which is honestly a revenge game. You get to play Kentucky at home. At home, Kentucky's ranked number fifteen, and Kentucky is the team that beats you. Uh, you know, well, I guess it's not a revenge game because it no. happens later. But and, uh, yeah, right. at at it's pa- always... at this point, right.
1: you've got to be contemplating: like, should you guys play with only four guys or with <laughs> yeah. your weak hand? Because you've just owned them since you, you got the blue. But tail. beating
3: Kentucky, no matter what, in the in any era of Indiana, feels yeah. good. Oh yeah. How when, good did when, this one feel?
0: Oh, no, that this, this was a classic because you're right we we just start to finish and we beat up on them. I mean, and, and <laughs> there is some controversy in this
3: game.
1: Yeah, though. I, w- I want to ask about the
0: Yeah, there're two you yeah, know end of the game controversy, but the the one that if you talk to players coach after the uh, Kansas game and, and you know, coach was trying to tell Benny, you know, you've got to play, you know, meaner, you know, you know, not, not, not dirty, but meaner, you know, you gotta, you gotta be more, uh, you know, more ready to mix it up a little bit. And so, (laughs) so we all knew this and we're on, you know, Benny (laughs) is good old Benny. He's running down the floor. I mean, this is like first half at the mid court line and, and he literally takes an elbow and just lays out Rick Ruben, just Boom, right in front of everybody. And it was almost like, "You mean like that?" that mean and we go,
2: "No, man, you,
0: you got to be sneakier than that." But he did. He laid him out. But it did set a tone. It was like, "Hey, you know, Benny's listening here, so we let's take advantage of this." You know, nobody got thrown out or anything like. It wasn't a flagrant, but. But it was. Uh, Ken, yeah, uh, Ken I mean he just Benson went down.
1: Elbow would kill me. Yeah. Well oh, yeah. very oh, at man. least hospitalized me. But I would be last right, right. I mean
0: literally <laughs> right at midcourt on a
1: fast break. Boom. Oh
0: whoa. And I don't I mean I don't think you know, nobody knew what what the hell just happened. But <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, we we beat him, you know, and, and of course we you know, th- this is one of the the things that we turn around, you know at the end of the year and we go, geez, I mean, we're 20, 25 points better than them with Scott, you know, and that's, and that's about right. I mean, it, you know, I mean, the guy averaged 20 points a game and, you know, you, so, you know, I I know we'll, we'll come to that, but this was, you know, really satisfying and it actually, because I know those guys, you know, Kevin Greby and Mike Flynn real well, and Rick Roby was a, uh, uh, a teammate of mine on the Pacers. He was the number one draft choice when he came out when I was still with the Pacers. And, you know, and those guys said, yeah, thanks a lot. He said, because from <laughs> that day forward, I mean, Joe B, every practice, he mentioned Indiana. Wow. Mentioned Indiana. I mean These guys every day had to hear about that game, no matter how many wins in a row they had, no matter who they were beating. Hey. You know, you guys look terrible at Indiana. You know, we're going to run this drill because of Indiana. You know, I mean, he said they. Joe B Hall just laid into him, and so you can imagine when we saw him at the end of the year, they were ready. Uh, but still,
3: well, Joe B had another reason to be a little upset during that well, game. Yeah. Exactly. Can you take us
1: through the, your memory the, of that?
0: Well, you know, that's just the the karate chop, you know, or whatever <laughs> this this dude this this this, this you know because coach you know. It, you know he knew joe b and vice versa and, but i think the, you know he t- coach gave him a little you know the pat on the head that i i've seen a thousand times you know for and boy, Because the, the
1: story is just for our listeners who aren't familiar, yeah, is that Coach went over to the Kentucky bench where Joe B. Yep. Hall was, obviously, and there was a, a ref there, and Coach was talking to the ref about a, a call he didn't like. And as yep. he left to come back to our bench, he gave uh, Joe B. a little love tap in the back of the yep. head, which incensed some people around the Kentucky bench.
0: Exactly the just to, and I I can't remember I used to know his name, but you know, you, you might have it there, but but I think
1: No, with, is it Lynn Nance? I,
0: yeah, I, I think so. It was the, it, and and there was rumor, you know, was he former FBI or something like <laughs> that? Because right. he went mm-hmm. into this uh, uh, karate chop. <laughs> you know, it's like what? <laughs> You're gonna karate chop coach? And then then that was, you know. Then it was on, you know. It was like, hey. hey so, so know, he then,
1: saw he saw Coach kind of thwab Joe yep, B affectionately yep, 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 in the yep, back of the head, yep, and this yep. Lynn Nance, the assistant coach, former FBI agent, that Wikipedia says was like six five himself. Yep, yep. Wait, so you say he went into like a karate oh, stance?
0: Oh, yeah, it's like you know, like you know some some bad movie, you know? Ha, hey, ha, you know, it's like what? <laughs> what are you doing? You know that you know, and, and you know. Of course, Coach didn't like that. Our, you know, Coach Knight didn't like that. And then, you know, everybody was watching because you, you got to remember by that time, and probably you know even the year before, but certainly by our senior year, the games, you know, in Assembly Hall weren't officially started, you know, in anybody, any of the fans' minds until Coach walked out of the huddle. I mean, uh, Excuse me, out of the locker room, right? You know, they, and you could hear the buzz. You know, so every time he walked up and down. Any place he went, everybody in assembly hall was watching. So they, everybody saw it. You know, everybody saw what but was going he, on. You know,
3: so Greeno, that. <laughs> that what you just described, though, about coach walking out from you know the hallway, yeah, that is exactly what my memory is of, yeah. of being at those games. But that was after he had won three championships. Yeah, this yeah. is. Are you saying that th- this coach Knight just absolutely? Um, mesmerizes me because yep. i'm trying to put myself in the in the situation of being a fan watching this the tap that coach knight gives to joe b on the back of the head is something that in my mind you see from like an older gentleman doing it yes. to a young pup
0: absolutely that's
3: but it coach knight was like 35 years old here yeah. <laughs> see, and hadn't accomplished anything yet <laughs> yeah. but, but coach- he had this confidence about yeah. him the way he carried himself allowed him to be that even when he had no right to be that
0: yet yeah but, but I'm telling you, a coach at 35 was like a 50-year-old and in, 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 in not, you know, not... Uh, no, I'm in spirit. Right, in in, in it, gravitas. It, yeah, because he hung around Pete Newell. He hung around uh, Claire B. You know, these people that... Joe Lapchek, you know, these are legendary coaches. Henry Iba, all these people that really, none of us really, even we didn't know necessarily until later how important those guys were early on. Plus, how much they mentored him, and he loved he loved being with older basketball coaches. Right, he, that was his, that was you know he he didn't really. Hey, I'm not going to hang out with you know somebody my own age. I'm not going to learn anything. The, these are the guys I want to hang out with. Hey, how'd you do this? Tell me about that. I mean, Henry Iba helped with the motion offense, and and you know all and, and Pete Newell was a, a great big band coach. And of course, Pete coached California the national championship. Uh, I think, I want to say the year before Coach Knight's uh, Ohio State team won in 60, I think California won in 59, and that was Pete Newell. And, and Pete was a, always present at our practices. And, and that was another thing that we got, we had, you know, back in those days, you know, hey, the, the best technology we had were just little tape recorders, right, that Coach would, would he'd call Red Arbach and say, hey, can you give the guys a, a pep talk or, or tell them, you know, I want you to talk to the kids and we would come in you know after practice and in the center of our uh, our dressing room coach said I want you to listen to something and he'd start this little <laughs> this little kind of miniature re- recorder and it was red Arbach hey guys how <laughs> I mean, so we're, we're all staring at this this you know this guy's voice you know and we're, and we're listening intently but we got the best of the best to to talk to us you know Hamletcheck our back you know Pete Newell these guys were talking about us and telling us and, and making sure hey are you sure you're playing as well as you can are you sure you're getting everything out of this because they our senior year my, my senior year, I said I should say 75 I think I think everybody everyone who coaches buddies knew this this could be special. You know, this could really be special, so, you know, don't blow it. And they, they were trying to everything they could to, to help us stay focused on, uh, you know, a big task. So it, it was really neat, just, really neat.
3: Just to stay on that for one moment, because I think it does just speak to how special Coach Knight is as just a <laughs> an energy force. It's one thing to be somebody who wants to learn from older uh, coaches and just feel more comfortable with that and I feel like that, that's one thing to want that it's another thing for those coaches to want you to be around them and yep. coach had something has something special about him that just lets other people know take this dude seriously like, because no, no why would Red Arbach want to allow yep. this young kid in that he's got no familial ties with or anything? Why would Henry right. Iba? It, there yep. was something special about Coach Knight that that I just think is the stuff that separates him from everyone that allowed well, him into that world that very few people get to be in.
0: Yeah, and I think that I, I do think they respected his intelligence, yeah. his approach to the game. You know, and and you know he. Uh, what people often forget that these guys were were pretty fascinated with his overall knowledge of everything. I mean, it, you know, like we talked about, you know, is, 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 you know, the, the books he read, you know, the, the, his interest in history, all of those things. I think, you know, they just couldn't believe this guy is not just a basketball coach, but man, a really intelligent guy that can. That you know, if we tell him this is how we did things. He listens and implements that, and takes our word for it. That that was the other thing too. You know, hey, if I heard it from Henry Iba, I'm going to take your word for it because I, I respect you that much. And he he respected you know his elders. He did. Sure. And you know, and he and he didn't. You know, I'm not going to get into psychology. I don't think that. I mean, he he did not have a father figure. You know, in in his life, you his his mm-hmm. uh, dad Pat uh, passed away early. Uh, early on so uh, but you know there may have been some of that but I, but it but it was certainly respectful and uh and he he, he went after if, if somebody had something that uh, was of value that he wanted to learn he was he was respectful and and asking for that uh that information and returning it uh re- he, he would return right the favor yeah. by being loyal to that person i mean really loyal uh, yeah and fiercely lo- most loyal person fierce yeah absolutely well
1: and, and you know, in terms of him being able to connect with older coaches and learn from them, uh, he, he was pretty good maybe at identifying guys who were going to be good coaches who had played under him. And there was a guy oh. hanging around your locker room uh, on the bench that year named Coach Mike Sheshevsky. Yep. Uh what uh what was it like having him around? Did you have any idea uh no. what 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 <laughs> no, that was going to be about?
0: Know. you know, it's 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 like, you know, that that year okay, we got uh we got uh, coach K hanging around us as a grad assistant and Larry Bird could have been on the team. But no, no <laughs> you know, I mean, nothing special going on there, right? And I an mean, embarrassment geez, of Richards. Yes, just think about that. So no, it, what was really cool for us that had been around coach for now 4 years, we knew how much he loved his Army players and those Army teams were special to him. And, and for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is what we already talked about, they those guys went on and they didn't go into the pros to play basketball, they went to Vietnam and right. you know fought for our country. That they always had a special place for all of us when they would come visit. So here's Mike uh, that is, is there, you know, he's there with us all year. And I remember, you know, we we'd heard all these stories about, you know, the Army players and how Coach just ran them and and worked hard. And we were always trying to impress Coach Knight that we're as tough as your Army guys, you know, kind of thing. And in, in, in our own Feeble way, and I remember one one day we you know it was early uh, in the season and and we're underneath the baskets and I'm, I'm taking a break and, and I'm leaning up against the the post uh, the, the, the you know the, the uh, I don't know we, you know with the padding extension yeah yeah just sitting there you know taking a breather and there's uh, talking to Mike and, and he's going God you guys work so hard and I looked at him and I go what do you mean i mean this is what you guys he goes oh no we never worked this hard and i go what i really i was i was like you mean we've been working our butts off for four years trying to impress it and you're telling me that oh no you guys are yeah. you know he's putting you through way worse than we and i go well i'll be darn thank you know, so, so, but it was nice to have him there to you know you know, I always joke to see him and, and say, hey, see, he lived through it. So we, we will, too. But, uh, you know, he, he was just we, there was nothing about him other than him being a, a really nice guy. You know, he was just Mike to us. And, uh, you know, and he was just, he was taking it on. He was learning. He was learning, right. learning, learning. And what a what a season to learn. Uh, You know, that was not a bad one.
3: So you come off the uh, big win, uh, overtime win. You go right into Kentucky where you kill them by 24 points. And four days later, you are now playing number 11, Notre Dame, at the Joyce Center at Notre Dame. This is, again, this is three top 15 teams that you have now played in seven days. Uh, Again, something that just doesn't happen in today's college basketball. And one thing that I think, I'm just going to guess this about Coach Knight. No knowledge of this. But Coach Knight strikes me as the kind of guy who loves beating the people that he hates, like an Adolf Rupp, (laughs) but loves beating his friends maybe even a little bit more. Oh, And he's playing Digger Phelps, who is a friend of Coach Knight's. I don't know how close they were then, but they became friends. Oh, yeah, no. And Very you close. wax Notre Dame by 10. Yep. Uh, you Tough have game. to, at this point, be thinking, okay, we are really good.
0: No, that that was a big, big game for us. Because remember, the year before, uh, the, the only home game that I was, the home loss I was a part of in my three years, and then, of course, that, that went into four years, was Notre Dame. Wow. And on our home court the year before. John Shoemate, Gary Brokow, and uh, you know, and of course, they had Adrian Dantley at that yeah. time, and uh, so we went up there with you know, hey, this is tough, this, and we had played up there my sophomore year, and not easy, not easy place to play, and it was coach's friend, all, all of those things, and uh, that that was a that was a scary one, you know, because we knew that that had, you know, everything written on it that you know, we, this is going to be very difficult, we're going to have to really play well, and we did. We did. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember uh, coach saying, you know, and Bob Hamill can, can back this up to You know, uh, I guarded Adrian, oh, wow. Dantley, you know, and, and I always joked with Hamill afterwards. I said, cause a- AD was, was the best at getting to the free throw line because of his fakes. He was only six five, but he was like a Barkley six five, right? I mean, uh-huh. strong and smart and that kind of thing. And, 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 Hamill and I always would joke, and to this day, I said, you know, remember, you know, I, I did a really good job on Adrian Dantley because I was so slow that I was still reacting to his first <laughs> fake, and he was on to his third fake, and I was still there, right? So it's like, AD was like, what? What are you doing, boy? You know, what the, what the hell are you doing? You know, you're still here. And I was like, well, you know, not, not real quick. And so we laugh, you know, but, you know, it, like Hamilton, I don't care what it was. You know, we, we, we won that game and got out of there. And
3: then you there. you got out of there, and you're on a nice little run. Well, and
1: at this point, you're ranked number one in the country, right? Getting close. No. Oh, not, not yet. Close. yeah. yeah okay. They don't yeah. get ranked number one until
3: that? into the Big Ten season. They, they, you could yeah, beat I, all three of those teams, and you're right, still not still number one. Number two. No, no, no. But no. then you get to do something that's pretty exciting, I would think, for a kid from Indiana, which is you get to go to Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah. And you get to play three games in Honolulu. What was that like? Uh, were you excited to go to Hawaii? Was that something that oh, yeah. you guys talked about? Just walk us through being oh, no. a twenty one year old kid going to Hawaii.
0: Yeah. Very you know, we were all excited, very cool. And, you know, hey, we're going I've always heard about it, you know. And it is and it's they always had, you know, really good teams too, good competition. I think we played what, Ohio State the first game and did pretty well, I think. Oh but, yeah. Uh, yeah, you did yeah. pretty
3: well. Well, actually, no, the first game was against no. uh no. Florida.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, but you did well right.
3: in that one. You beat them by 14. And then Ohio State, you beat by 31, which, by the way, Ward and I were commenting to each other. It's a little weird that you're playing a Big Ten opponent in a non conference yeah. game.
0: Right, and, absolutely. And, and, and of all people, that. Yes, you know, exactly. Remember, yeah, you know, so we, you know, but, but, but by my senior year, we, we pretty much knew, hey, you got to beat ohio state you know matter what because yeah. you know this is not good you don't lose ohio state coach is not happy but yeah but but the thing about that uh i uh, as long as well as others uh didn't even see the sand i mean i let alone <laughs> play in the sand right uh, we were like what the heck there it is i mean i can see it you know. <laughs> Isn't that is that can i go no no we, we didn't there were a couple guys that snuck out i mean to us th- that was the weirdest i mean the, like the bravest thing anybody did oh my gosh you snuck out and and went out to the beach oh gosh wait, know, wait wait
3: wait who who would have been the players sneaking out
0: yeah, I, I'm not gonna say. That. Oh, even what? 45 <laughs> years later, you won't reveal? Oh, no, no. Hey, my, my roomie, my, my, you know, of all people, my my buddy, the orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Steve Allfeld, you know, because <laughs> I remember him coming back with that smile, like, hey, I went out and I thank <laughs> You're gonna get us all in trouble, man. He goes, I had to. I, I'm not gonna, you know, because he had the right idea. I'm not coming to Hawaii. Right you know, touching the beach. Come on, man. So, uh, anyway, we, you know, but you know, we, we were there for business and this was, uh, in fact, after we beat Ohio state by 30, Yeah. Pete Newell talked to us, coach had Pete Newell talk to us and he, P- coach, coach Newell reamed us, you know, <laughs> not getting back on defense, not you know, we're like, w- did you see the game coach? <laughs> I mean, we beat him, by th- but, but, you know, again, Trying to get us to don't don't settle, just don't settle for that. You know, you're going to beat a lot of teams like that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're playing your best and all that. But uh, so, yeah, we 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 had a good time out there. And the good news is because of of you know playing out there and doing well, I was invited then at the end of the year to go out and play in Hawaii in the you know some they had a the Aloha Classic or something I think it was called. Yeah, which was really. That's what you wanted as a senior basketball player. You wanted to play in these all-star games. Sure. Afterwards, and you wanted that one. I mean, I hey, uh, then I had my fun. All right? Well, hey, don't, don't worry. I made up for it, so we're, we're all good.
3: So you uh, sweep through the Rainbow Classic, as it was called in Hawaii. Is that what it is? Yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah. You come back, and now the Big Ten season starts. So now non-conference is one thing, but now you're in conference season, and you start off playing on the road in East Lansing, Michigan State. Where you guys win <laughs> 107 to 55. I mean, you beat this team by 52 yep. points. Is
1: there any pity in your hearts at all? <laughs> yeah, but, but, or it...
0: but, guys, you, you know the story. You know who we were playing. We, we were playing the JV team. Did you know about the, no. about the walkout?
3: No. So, tell you mentioned this before. Please tell yeah. us about this. Oh,
0: no. No. This is, we go up there and the, the, you know, we're dressed. We're out on the court. We're ready. I mean, we're we're ready to play play a very good Michigan State team. Uh, and some of the, the the players on there, I you know, you wouldn't be familiar with necessarily, but they they had a really good team. But we're not seeing a team on the other end. We're out there warming up, and pretty soon, coach is talking to Quinn and me, and it's like, hey guys, there there's there's they're, they're waiting to get some players here. What what's going on? Well, we find out later the 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 team boycotted uh, the uh, the game. You know, the players uh, when Gus Kanakis was, you know, he, he was and the the word is, and I and I know this sounds like, you know, I'm making this up and I'm bragging, you know, about this, but I I thought it was funny that they had a kid they the you know Gus Kenacus was writing on the board you know here, here you know we're, this guy was guarding this guy this guy's guarding this guy and whoever they're putting on me they were going that's not going to work you know or blah 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 I said, hey, you know this this ain't going to happen he'll kill him and and and, and it, they were already having trouble up there and and that was kind of the last straw and they just they just literally got up and walked out in mass so now th- and this is uh, uh you know, winter break, you know, this is Christmas break, right? So they had to call kids on that were, like, on the JV team or whatever that were at home for the holidays and say, can you get here? Can you get here quickly? Uh, No, they were recruiting guys to get here. So by the time, you know, okay, okay, we're going to play this game, but we're playing against these guys that have never played a a game in their life. Like, right, okay. So, and and on the surface, that sounds like hey, that's really cool. But when you're <laughs> when you're when you're me or Scott May, we're looking at each other going, you know what? We're not going to play. You know, we'll, we'll probably get five minutes.
2: Right. You know, and
0: and and, and, uh, and so, of course, with Scott and me, it's like, so we got to shoot a lot early because <laughs> <laughs> we may not be out here again. And and we did. We played like the first ten or twelve minutes. But man, you know, if he wasn't shooting, I was shooting. It was like, I'm getting my, I'm getting mine up, you know. And I don't know about you before I get substituted for. And and yeah, I think that was, uh, you know, we ended up beating him that bad with not playing our five, wow. Much at all. I mean, I don't. I think Don Nort, who was a seldom used guy, a great guy, great friend. But uh, Dandy Don, that was his. High, he was the leading scorer. But here's the scariest part. Uh, of course. You know, we already knew they, you know, coach is going to yank us as soon as we do anything bad anyway. My guy who's never played, you know, he probably hadn't played in, you know, in in this kind of situation in his life, you know, comes down the floor, makes his first shot on me. And I go, oh, (laughs) man, I I looked, you know, I kind of glanced at the bench because remember Mrs. Van Arsdale said, don't you dare. (laughs) And, you know, he wasn't yelling or anything. I was just looking, you know, I said, oh, man, I can't. Son of a gun comes down and drills another one in my face. Oh. I, you know, I mean, and I'm going, I am definitely shooting the next time I get down <laughs> it because I don't think I'm going to be out here very long. And sure enough, it, you know, like I said, about, I, I don't know, maybe played 10, 12 minutes, something like that. But it, it that, that was terrible. That was a terrible thing. But it was a, a Saturday afternoon. But that's, you know, that was the weekend. That was our Michigan swing. So, you know, you guys know. You know, we were talking about when we got to be number one. This this is the weekend. Yep. Because yeah,
1: you, you go over to Michigan next, and yep. they are ranked. They're 17. Yep. And yep. Uh, what, uh, you know, and, and Michigan obviously is a, is a team that plays into the the history, especially the next season. So w- yeah. w- what were those uh, mid-70s Michigan teams like, and how did you guys match up with them?
0: Oh, it's, it, it, you know, really, really good. Uh, and of course, the year before we, you know, tied them for the championship, and got beat in the playoff. And all that. that year, they had, you know, a couple years they had Campy, Campanella, mm. Russell. Campy was a great player, uh, it, and uh, was a didn't play defense worth a lick. And <laughs> and and so he and I guarded each other. And and if you look, check out the box scores of those games. We were we were scoring on each other like, hey, go ahead, I'm not going to foul you because I, you know. I am not getting out of this game (laughs) because you're you're so easy to play against. And and I, yeah, in Bloomington, I had my, uh, my, you know, by junior year, I had my uh, career high against Campy.
3: Uh, Where you scored 37, (laughs)
0: right? Yeah, right, yeah, because it was Campy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he's going to foul me, and he's not going to get close to me. And it's like, hey. So, but, but, but Michigan was always, you know, always really good and especially at home. So, you know, that was a tough one, but I remember distinctly when North Carolina state lost because, you know, we were buddies with Monty Tao and uh, sure. David Thompson, you know, but David and uh, Quinn were close and we'd been down there in the fall, you know, and, uh, on the, the, the tour against the Russians. So we got to know them real well. So we followed them. We knew they were, you know, they, they should have been ranked number one, but they, they lost, and we said, Oh my gosh, but we gotta beat Michigan now. I mean we we knew we we're that close to being we knew we were gonna be number one, but we had to beat Michigan and and you know, when you have to I mean not not that it made much difference, but I think it did. It just kinda it tightens you up a little bit. We can't blow this and and I think we I don't know how it turned out, but I, I think it was a probably a, a typical good game, but I don't think they were ever going to beat us, but uh, that's when we, you know, were able to be voted number one. From yes. that point forward,
1: you beat them by fourteen. You then yep. play Iowa wait, at wait. home. I, I want to know going back home with yep. the number one, yep, ranking next to your name. What? It's yep. the first are, time that this has happened under Bob Knight, and, and yep. And you're literally and figuratively big men on campus. Like what, what's it like going to class right now? Is there just a palpable buzz of people like, Hey, we're number one when you're walking by them going through the Arboretum.
0: (laughs) It it, it was good, but I'm sure not like, you know, as, as IU and IU basketball became bigger and bigger, that became more of a thing. We, we were still, you know, it it was a good, you know, I'm not saying it was bad, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like what you thought, you know, it, it would be, or, you know, and maybe my expectations were a little too high, you know, Hey, we're number one, you know, and, but, but no, yeah, we you're was still waiting class. for coach
3: Knight to get you that car. I yeah, mean, exactly. Just, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, where's the car? Absolutely. <laughs> but, but you know what? I, I think it was, but, uh, but there, there was, there was a respect and now, you know, now, now we're setting records at assembly hall as far as attendance, you know, and, and, and you know, we're, you know, it's must watch TV, that kind of thing. And, and, and it was very satisfying because we we helped. I mean, it, it was a gradual build, you know, freshman year, sophomore year, a little better. Junior, now, now we're getting there. And then by the time we were, you know, my senior season and that, that year, we were, you know, we were uh, pretty big in the state and certainly on, on campus, but not, you know, nothing extraordinary, I, I will tell you, just very satisfying. And, and when we got the number one and when we beat Michigan and knew we were going to be number one, it was almost like. You know what? You know, not arrogant, not cocky. We have worked hard and you know, it should be us. Now, what are we going to do with it?
3: What right. are we going to do with it? Well, here's what you do with it. You play Iowa. I just want our listeners, the ones that don't remember, maybe some of our younger listeners that don't remember these teams, to think about what Indiana has done in the Big 10 conference specifically for the last 15 years. How every game, even when we've been good, Every game seems to be a struggle. I mean, like when we win, we win. If you win by ten points, that's a blowout in the Big Ten. In the Big Ten, sure. Just and every road game, every road game seems like how are we gonna win this? You guys beat Iowa, listen to these scores, 102 to 49. Okay? You beat Minnesota (laughs) 79-59. You beat Northwestern 82 to 56. You beat Wisconsin 89 to 69. And now you are playing a game that it never matters what they're ranked and what we're ranked. It's a battle against Purdue at home they're yep. ranked number 20 and you guys win 104 to 71. Greeno, how right. good did it feel to beat Purdue that way in the midst of this run?
0: Yeah well, you know it was sweet and you want to know what made it even sweeter you know in an odd way I didn't play. I, uh, that was the only game I, I had to sit out because of, I, I was sick that whole week. I, and I'd been sick for about two weeks, you know, with a terrible respiratory infection. And so Coach sat me. He didn't even, have, you know, I didn't even play it. We, wow. we kicked it. Oh, yeah. Wow. at home. And I remember he, he went ahead and dressed me, but, uh, you know, I think it was a decoy, but I, I had this terrible thing. And, and, and so, you know, through that two week period, I was, you know, I was really struggling. Uh, physically. And, and yet we were still, you know, knocking people over because we could. Uh, but that that was the one game I, I literally didn't even, you know, play a second of that game and we still trounced them. them.
3: And, and again, yeah. you are the leading score. You end up being the leading score for that team. You don't play. Your team wins by 33, just next man up. You then go on You crush Illinois. You now play at Ohio State, which is a little bit of a tougher game, but you still beat them 72-66. to Michigan crushed Uh, at Iowa. I mean, just crush, crush, crush until now you are playing in the game at Purdue. Yeah. And again, when you're playing at Purdue, all bets are off. All it's, bets off.
1: It's the yeah. armpit of America. The stench is so overwhelming. <laughs> no, anything could guys. happen. And you
0: anything. Guys, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my, my Purdue buddies are going to come, come hard at me. But
1: Just throw know, it on I, us. That's I, on us. I, I, you didn't say I it. We did.
0: It. I know. <laughs> and I loved playing in Mackey. There's nothing better than being. Hated at that level. <laughs> I mean hated. You know, and just the cheering, the booing, and the, oh man, this is beautiful. This is this is great. But you're right. We beat him by one point. Now, of course, this also, you know, yes. that's where Scott broke his arm. Right, I mean, so, so it quest, is the
3: game that changes the complexion of the rest yeah, of the season. truthfully.
0: There, there's no question. It, but but think about this, and this is this is how this this rivalry rivalry should be always, and it certainly was then. And and I all I've always said every IU Purdue game should be on Saturdays. I mean, no Tuesday nights at nine o'clock. No, you know, no matter where right. it is, Saturday afternoon two o'clock. You know, so the state of Indiana could shut down, and it's IU. Purdue, and that's the way it was back then. So it was, you know, big deal. It was a a Saturday afternoon game, and you know, Scott does break his arm then. And uh, but think about this: we're number one, and and like you said, we're just killing people, and and we killed them at home. And we can, we still, we only beat them by one. I mean, that's just how intense the rivalry was, and they didn't even finish. I don't think they finished second in the Big Ten. I can't remember, but so we're not even talking about you know one and one a here on. On teams in the Big Ten. No, they just, finished fourth. Yeah, I'm t- we're t- we we and w- you know what we could have could have lost it, but uh, you know Scott breaks his arm, and I'm going to tell you though I love me some Purdue hoops because man that bucket looked huge <laughs> that day. It was the most fun. I've ever had as a, a shooter in a big game when we, you know, when, when, when you know, our, our number one player was down and it was time to like, okay, it was almost like Quinn said, all right, Scott and you shoot X number of times a game. Guess what? You're getting them all now, big right. boy. So get ready. And I, and, and I remember I was shooting and they were going in and, and I remember being in front of our bench and John Kamstra. You know, I got the ball in my hand, and, and we're running the offense, and he just goes, shoot it, shoot it. <laughs> it so hot. And you know what I did? I did. Yep, of course. <laughs> I, I jumped up, and I, I'm, I'm literally throwing it towards the bucket, and I'm thinking – what in the hell am I doing? I'm, I'm almost on our bench, and of course it goes in. And I turn, and Cam's giving me that wink, like, "Told you, you know, hey man, when you're hot, you got, you know, that's a, you know, throw it up there. It's going to go in." So it, it was a, it was fun. And then we we get the bad news. We didn't get the, you know, news until the uh, end of the game in the locker room.
3: And what? And, wow. What? Walk us through that. What did it oh, do to no. you and the team oh. when you heard that?
0: Horrible, horrible. It, it was just. It was you know you know you know obviously we, we kind of congratulated everyone, you know we were we were hyped up, we won the game because it came down to you know we you know one point and uh, but we get in the locker room and we hear the news and, and it's, it's you could you know literally uh, it, it was like we were at some kind of wake. Uh, you know it, it was that bad. we said, oh my gosh, not Scott, you know, broken arm, what does that even mean? And we took off and then we hopped the bus, you know, we had to play in Champagne. I think. Uh, I yep. think we went Saturday, Mondays in those days. So we had to play Champagne, and that was going to be, you know, you know, a new lineup had to be. So we, we did.
3: We you
1: did. did you know, and you we crushed regrouped. Well, yep. I, oh, well, yeah. Well, and how, how did you regroup both, you know, sort of mentally, emotionally in those couple yeah. of days? And then how did that actually look on the court?
3: Yeah. Who slipped yeah. into the starting lineup?
0: Uh, Laz. Laz did. And, and and coach has even talked about this, you know, where he said, you know, looking back on it now, you know, could we have put Aber in there and keep Laz in the six-man position? But you know what? I mean, we we win seven or I think six or seven in a row with that lineup. And and we, you know, we had that that Sunday to practice. Okay, Laz, you're in the lineup now. Let's look. Let's you know, let's run our offense and let's see. And he had a great game. And uh, you know what? Well, and, have a bad one. And was know. that
1: lineup a little odd because it wasn't normally Scott coming out first with Laz coming in?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, there, there was some of that, you know, because you know, Laz sometimes would come in and maybe for Bobby Wilkerson, uh, you know, or something like that. Uh, but, yeah, usually Scott and I would stick around, you know, for most of the haves. Uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, it, it was. It was strange, but, but we knew what we were, you know, we mean. Obviously, we'd played enough minutes with Laz with that lineup. I mean, so but you're right. It was it wasn't like it was usually yeah Laz is out here, but so Scott, you know, so right and that kind of thing. And sometimes Laz would come in for Benny, you know, and and that kind of thing. So yeah, we just but we did regroup and uh, you know so we but it was just you know you're you're trying to replace twenty points per game and that's uh, you know that's that's tough. Very gives better competition. Yeah.
3: So you finish out the Big Ten season, beating yep. Ohio State uh, yep. at home in a, in a somewhat tight game. You beat them by eight. You then beat Michigan State with their real team by yep. fifteen. <laughs> you yep. finish the Big Ten season by beating teams. You're eighteen and zero in the Big Ten, and you finish the season by beating Big Ten teams by the average margin of victory of over twenty two points a game. I mean, it is just unheard of. It is. It is a remarkable feat. You win the Big Ten championship. Scott is hurt at this point. Yeah. Do you? Um, you've won the Big Ten two times in a row. This is now the third time. The, right. The year before was the the co Big Ten championship, and obviously right. we know how that played out. But do you feel a sense of accomplishment here, Grino, or are you guys so focused on no, 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 work's not done yet?
0: Oh no, no. We we still oh. appreciated that, that. That was. That, that was the goal again, as Right. you said earlier. That coach loved that, and we grew to love that the Big Ten championship. And in fact, that one point win at Purdue clinched it for us. You uh-huh. know, so we could have lost the next three. I think you know that was the one. So it was, you know, we were happy even right then. But we we knew we wanted to finish. Uh, you know I'd never played on an undefeated team I right. I think my senior year in high school we lost one game in the regular season and you know and I just like no no we're not gonna do this tonight at Michigan State and we did we we jumped them and uh, that that was that was wonderful that was a wonderful feeling and that got to speak to the crowd you know and, and we basically were like okay, get ready we, you know we're taking this one on the road and uh but you know we just, there, there was Scott. You know, he. I think he got in the game. You know, with a cast on his arm, and it's just, it just, you know, wasn't meant to be from that standpoint. But, uh, but we, we, you know, we were a proud, proud team, and we. Hey, it's not like we, you know, didn't believe that we could beat anybody. Right. Still.
3: Well, you you go to the NCA tournament where, ironically, you go to play your first-round game at Memorial Coliseum in in Kentucky. Bingo. You you smoke UTEP by 26. And again, to just make sure everybody understands the context, no one's getting into the NCAA tournament in 1975 if they are not a really good basketball team. Like You've got to be really good. We're not talking about cupcakes getting into the tournament. You beat UTEP. You beat Oregon State uh, in Dayton by 10. And now... You got to face. The,
2: the I'll just say cats.
3: it: these assholes from Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll just say it. Hey, um, and
0: and, it, and and what I didn't get for years and years and years, we got to spot him twenty, right? We got hey, yep. Scott's on the bench, so right. yeah, we spot you twenty, boys. Exactly. Now and, let's go play.
3: And you know. something really interesting happens in this game that coach has taken responsibility for. He makes a decision to change the defensive yep. matchups here. Yep. And he decides to break up, really, the best guard defensive duo that maybe has ever played college basketball. And he has, if I'm not mistaken, Bobby Wilkerson changed from playing the guard to playing the forward.
0: Yeah, there, there was that change, and, and, and uh, Scott started the right. game. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, no one's ever going to. Get far with me, you know, with anybody second guessing coach, right? Except himself, except coach, he, yeah, which except is what coach, is interesting yeah. about exactly. this
3: because he has he has said yep. he wishes he wouldn't have done that. Yep. But yep. I would imagine when that all happened, it's not like you guys were questioning it, you were just going out no, and no, playing.
0: No, 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 let's go, yeah, let's play, you know. And uh, uh, Benny, you know, had, had a great game. Uh, I, I was coming off an Oregon State game that I I mean, you know, the, the bucket looked big. I, I liked playing in Dayton. I played there as a freshman too, and you know that weird floor of theirs. And uh, you know, we, you know, we, we, we still, you know, it, it's interesting. I'll tell you something that I, I don't know that it's ever been. I, I don't. I'm sure I've said this. Maybe a time or two, but th- those are weird games. You know, you, you end up losing by two. And, you know, and here I am, 66 years old. I was 21 then. Mm-hmm. So for all these years, but I remember going personally uh, in the first half when we were uh, in the lead. And I don't know how it was like either we were four up or six up or something like that. And, and you've seen these knucklehead plays, you know, for, before. And, and I, I did one, I was going for the kill. You know, in my mind it was so I threw it from you know, one end and it was like I saw Quinn breaking for I I thought we get this layup easy, you know, and we're up eight or ten, I forget. Well, you throw that and you go, up. Oh, no, not good. And intercept it and they score and you know, that did win or loses the game, but dang on it, you know, you, you think, why did I do that? Why not just bring All it I down? You know, do. you just relive and relive and relive and And it's just one of those things that they just, they they were, they they played, uh, you know, an excellent game. The referees, you know, let it go. I mean, it was, it was a bloodbath. I mean, it was not, and, and, and two, you know, and again, not, you know, this is whiny sour grapes, but man, they, they just threw everybody out. They had uh, three freshman centers and they used all 15 fouls. Benny. I mean, it, it was, it, it, and I remember being with one of the uh, uh, one of the uh, uh, referees afterwards. Uh, excuse me, take it back. I was with a referee, Art Brown, who was a Big Ten referee. And we were flying out to uh, actually to that uh, uh, all-star thing in uh, Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And, and, he, and he sat down with me where and he said, man, I watched that game, son. He said that that was the roughest and worst officiated game I've ever seen. They were out to get you. They were out. He said, I, I feel so bad for you guys because, I mean, I, I, I was getting killed. And we just beat up and elbowed and all this kind of stuff. So, anyway, you know, it, it, it then it became what it was. I mean, and until really the last few years, I, I, I never – because I was on Quinn and, and Tom and uh, I forget, Jimmy Cruz, myself, uh, Laz – I think we were on a panel discussion uh, at, at, a couple years ago, and it was, you know, the 75-76, kind of the two two years, right. that, you know, team. And Quinn, you know, he said, hey, what's the best team? What was the best team? And and, and Quinn said, you know, and, and hey, 75. He said, there's no, no question about it. And, you know, and I'd always tell those guys, I said, you know, that's nice. But, you know, Quinda, did BS around. It's like, I'm not being nice. I'm just being honest. He right. said, I think that was the team because of what you said, you know, margin of victory and the whole deal. Well, a, and, a,
3: and Greeno, because of you and Laz. Yeah, it's a big deal. deal. You. Yeah. I mean, I know you're, you're very self-deprecating on this, but you were the leading scorer on that 74-75 yeah. team. That's
1: almost 17 points a game and the super sub. That's yeah, a big I mean,
3: deal. You take those yeah. two guys off the team. And they still yep. go undefeated and win the national championship. It tells you just how incredibly special you guys were.
0: That, that, that's that's wonderful, you know, to, to hear that. And, and and I, it wasn't until recently I, I agreed. And when it hit me, and I said, you know what, the the one reason that the seventy another reason that seventy five might have been better than seventy six is, you know. I mean, excuse me, the uh, yeah, 75, 76, because yeah. 76 team, you guys had Scott. We didn't, you right. know, in the tournament. We didn't have him. You I mean, you, you know, you got to have him the whole year and we didn't have him, you know, in the tournament and. That's, that's a big, big deal, you know, yeah. plus the other things you talked about. I mean, it's 20, you know, so that's why I said. We spot uh, Kentucky 20 points. What, we beat them in, in Bloomington, you know, 25 or whatever? Right, yep, 24. Yeah, we, 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 get, we we take out 20, and we they beat us by two. Yep. You know, so there you go. I well, mean, anyway. And,
1: and when it, you go on to watch what the 75-76 team does – is is are there mixed emotions because sure. you can't actually sure. yeah sure. if you want to
0: know i'm quick to say that and that's and i know it may sound terrible but it was just like no no it it it, it, it on that panel i remember you know i said no i i loved it for my, my buddies for quinn and for coach and you know scott and all those guys you know who i, I was really ticked off at was the freshman on that 76 team said, <laughs> hey dudes give me my ring yeah yeah. you didn't do jack That ain't yours that's mine you know (laughs) so that's the those are the guys i didn't like was like hey give me that back yeah that's mine you know well so
1: anyway i don't know if this is is something we can say and it and it makes any sort of impact but i think after having the conversations with with Benny, uh, you know yourself, you, Jim Cruz, it, and Laz, of course, uh, especially Laz, uh, talking specifically about this, with him being in the same position as you of 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 not being on the championship team, is that you were like like that that the, what you guys built together, the 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 accumulation of learning. Together with Coach, what he was about, what IU basketball was now about. Like, you all built that together and that it just sort of climaxed the year after you left. But the DNA of this championship undefeated team absolutely had you and Laz in there. It it, it was you guys all learned and grew together. And I think we all wish that you could have been on the floor walking off a national champion but i i can't imagine there's one guy who was that wouldn't give both of you a lot of credit for them being there
0: and and let me tell you something that uh that not many people know but i've told everybody i can tell Uh, about two or three years ago showtime did a uh, you know feature on 76 team right i was
3: I i literally just had it up on my phone Okay, because I was going to bring this up, but yes, please go ahead.
0: Well, here, here's the story on that. That I get a call because they're doing it on the '76 team, right? The undefeated team, the whole deal. And I get a call from one of the producers, and, and, and he says, "I got to tell you something, man." He goes, "Would you like to come down? You know, we'd like to do you know a little talk with you." And and it's you know the '76 team. And I said, "Yeah, but you know that's that's '76 team." He said, "But here's the deal, Steve. To a man, those guys kept saying." You need to talk to Green and Leskowski yes too they're they're on this team they were that's how generous and, and, and great these guys are Jimmy I mean to a man they said this isn't right unless you go and you know have a word with Steve and have a word with John and and, uh, and and this this guy was like he was apologizing to me he said I had no idea that they felt that way about the team before and he said and it was because of that because what they said no no you we're not, you know, it's not that they we weren't doing it. It was like, this isn't complete. You need to do that. So, you know, that's, that's how, that, that, that's why those guys are champions because they, they do, they, they got it. They, they always did. Yep. Well,
1: and I think it's important you know our, our listeners I think uh, are all feeling this way especially after talking to Laz but a lot of the people who even remember those teams that you 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 both are a part of that team in the collective memory of the IU fan base you guys were a part of, of that whole run that ended in 76 but you're instrumental to it and then that you know it's great that Showtime was able to put you guys in there and put it out there for younger generations newer yeah. generations but uh, I, I I think we just hope that you guys feel the love and respect from the fans that you deserve for building an undefeated oh, national champion
0: bro. we appreciate it guys i re- really really do No, on that
1: yep greeno when you look back now
3: with the benefit of perspective on what you did at indiana as a basketball player and all the accomplishments the academic all american the the three-time Big Ten championships, the Final Four appearance, the undefeated regular season—what are you singularly most proud of when you think back on it?
0: Well, as I—and that's a great question and a tough one to answer. You know, where I—I'm sure I'm gonna tomorrow. I'm going to go. No, no, no. That—that that was. You know, <laughs> I, I need to call those guys back. But do it. But it, it was. It, it, it was really. It, it went. It went so far above and beyond the, the dream I had. And I told you when I was an eight-year-old kid at Branch McCracken's knees and boys, 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 I just wanted to play at IU. I wanted to be on an IU team and I, I wanted to be like the Van Arsdales. I, I remember when, I, 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 I can't remember if we're on the scoring list, I think I passed them or something and I was embarrassed Like, (laughs) no, I'm not, I'm not a Tom and Dick fan. Arsdale, you know, and I, and I truly do mean it. And and it was because of the team I was on. There's no question. We were, we all got the accolades because of that. And, and I'm just so happy that I was there at that time. Uh, But being there with coach Knight in that first year, the first four years he was there, that, that, that's special. Now I, I didn't know it at the time how special that would always be for me. And and when when somebody says, hey, you were Coach Knight's first recruit, you know, at the start of this thing, uh, you know, now I can appreciate, like, Damn, I'm glad I was. I'm yeah. glad I was in there. I, I just you know, I can't imagine my life without that, and I can't imagine my life without him and and the guys that uh, I got to play with and become friends with forever. I mean, my my forever buddies.
3: Well, I'm looking at the career scoring list at Indiana, where you rank 31st all time. And keep in mind, many of the people above you had the benefit of playing a freshman season. So let's not forget that. But right behind you at 32 is Tom Van Arsdale. Right behind him is Dick Van Arsdale. And just two spots under that is Steve Downing. And yep. and just a few spots under that is Quinn Buckner. So one hell of a run. Uh, Greeno, your career at, at Indiana on the court is just something, obviously, that we could dedicate hours and hours to, which we already have. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we've done it.
1: But one thing we love,
3: we love to talk to anybody who spent time living in the the just magical place of Bloomington is things that happened off the basketball court. What was your yep. favorite restaurant that you remember going to or favorite place of food, uh, in Bloomington?
0: Oh my, oh my gosh. Now, now you got me so, Sully's, I guess. Okay. Was, uh, old Oak and Bucket, because that, you know, I remember taking my now my then girlfriend, now wife of, of 40 plus years and love of my life. Uh, and, and, you know, somebody that saw it all. Yeah. <laughs> the good, the bad, the, and the indifferent. Uh, yeah, that, that was the place that, Hey, if, if, you know, I got money from my mom and dad to take her there for her birthday or something, you know, but, I, and remember my aunt and uncle were there. And so I, I got, I got to see other places because of them, but yeah, that, that's probably, you know, the, the, the place, uh, Uh, of course, Lady Men's Cafe too, but that's, uh, that was, I don't even know if that's still there. No, uh, no. don't know what that is. Right, right by the, uh, the, the, uh, the Indiana theater. Okay. Uh, But, you know, but got to remember I hung around there, you know, uh, when I was playing professionally, I had a farm outside of Bloomington. And so we'd, we'd hang at the Bluebird, you know, and and just hang hang around, uh, you know, uh, any place in Bloomington there uh, that, but I loved it all.
3: I I'm curious to ask you about um just some some quick takes on on things okay. that have happened with Indiana basketball since. Yep. When when Coach Knight was fired and that all went down in 2000, it yep. clearly created this just giant gulf between kind of the new Indiana and the old Indiana that was really a shame that that truthfully is a break that is st- a wound that is still trying to be healed yeah what was it, it like you were his first recruit you yep. you were a coach Knight guy did yep. you feel a break with indiana when that all happened
0: uh absolutely absolutely and 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 it brings up you know i've told you how much my dad and coach Knight, yes they, they literally loved each other and uh um and uh my my dad passed away uh, on the Thursday. No, he passed away on Saturday of uh, right when coach was let go. Oh wow! And and this is a true story. I, and dad was down in Madison, Indiana, and you know, living out his kind of the last week of his life, not saying anything. And they announced that on TV. The coach was let go, and Dad was in his, you know, literally his deathbed, and and hit the last sentence my father said when the the nurse came in and said, "Well, you know, I, I'm, uh, boy, do you, you know, you think that you know think they should have fired him?" And my dad literally hadn't talked to me. No, I don't. Oh. And that was it. I swear on my kids and my grandkids, I was that. I, oh, Dad spoke, and that was it. That was oh his last sentence. God. No. I don't, he was that. And I, and I, you know, remember telling uh, Tim Knight, Pat's uh, coach Knight's son that and I said, that's my la- dad's last, last words, you know, for about coach. Knight, I said, talk about two old time basketball coaches. And so, and then, you know, dad passes away and, and coaches let go coach. Knight's first public appearance, he and Bob Hamill come into my uh, father's funeral service Uh you know so here here he you know he, he's been let go or what you know whatever we want to call sure, it sure. and within 4 or 5 days he's coming to see you know pay his respects to my dad and talk to my brothers and me afterwards oh cuz after but yeah he, he and I said and and when he when he left I looked at my brothers and I said if I'm ever ever disloyal to that man kick me in my ass right. i said don't you ever let me well, so with that in mind, I—I I, that's the last game I saw in Bloomington, uh, for you know, until Tom Crean came in. Uh, I think it was 2008. Right. So from 2000 to 2008, I didn't, I, I didn't, I was done, and I, I just would go to Lubbock and be with my coach, right? You know, and 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 get this though, I remember being down there and and. He hadn't been in the Hall of Fame yet, and I I wasn't, and and we were. I was just talking about that, and I said, you know, Coach, I, I tell you one thing: if, if ever I have the chance to go into the IU Hall of Fame, I'm not going in, you know. And he looked at me and he said, You're, "Yes, you are." And I said, "Well, no, no, not what they did to you, and you know how they've treated." He goes, "That's your alma mater, you know." It was he said, "No, that's your alma mater. You'll do that." He said, you know, that's not my alma mater. Keep that in mind, but you'll do that. Well, I think the next year he goes into the Hall of Fame, you know, and he, he didn't show, of course, but right. then the following year I did, you know, and it was kind of like, okay, we're, we're starting to make some progress here of, of patching it up, but it's still, you know, I, I can tell you very honestly, it's still not, not there. I don't know that it ever will be, but uh, I've never had a problem with being totally loyal to him. You know, from that sure. standpoint. I have because, you know, first with Tom Crean and now uh certainly with Archie, we've been invited back and it and you know, feel a part of that history there, but it's you know, it's different. It is, man. I, I can't you know, I'm not lying to you.
2: But, no, I uh, get it.
0: it. is. It it is well, and it's... I and I and I love, you know, I I love Indiana. I mean, I love IU. I, I look what it's done for me and I, and, and that's where I always wanted to play and I got to play there. I I'm not disrespectful. I it's more just being loyal to that man and uh, and and I still can love my university, but Yes. Uh, you know,
3: but you know you what know. this is it's look, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we were just talking about a game called basketball. It is Indiana and the relationships that you make and what it means to each individual person who has their own story with Indiana it is your own. And it's important. My story of Indiana is my relationship with my dad and mom and older sister yep. went to Indiana and younger brother went to Indiana. It's my right. relationship with this guy that I'm looking across my desk from right now, Ward. We're friends sure. because of Indiana. It, Absolutely. And for You're you, right. I mean, you just told us, the Coach Knight... And Indiana and basketball, it's all tied together in this complicated emotional stew of of just your life, your life story. And and so I get it. It's um yep. it's why I, I hate whenever I have a conversation with somebody who does not get it, and they go, Well, it's just a game. Well, no, yep. no, no, no.
1: It's it's not just a game. It's so much more. Um Well, and and, and this is one thing where we're where we are at now, where Coach Knight actually has moved back to Bloomington. Yep. he went to an Indiana basketball game, and I think no baseball. I'm sorry, baseball. baseball. Huh. I'm sorry, yeah. I misspoke. I misspoke. No. Uh, and there's the hope that maybe that it will be a basketball game before too long, and that it, it's something that this great fracture in the the fan base that occurred almost 20 years ago, and we're all yep. looking around at each other, and, and Coach Knight is is back there, and. We're doing this podcast with, with guys from all the different eras, and everybody just loved their time in Bloomington so much, even though sure. some had tragedy and heartache and injury and, and disappointment. Yep. But there's this love that connects us all through the many, many decades, and that all the people responsible for what went wrong in 2000— and even in the late nineties yeah. building up to that, they're yep. all gone. And we're st- and we're all still here. And we all still love each other and the university and the experiences yep. we had there. Um, and Coach Knight. And and, mean, and, and Coach, and Knight. Coach yep. Knight, you know, and, and for us, you know, who grew up with parents and grandparents revering him and and you know, my grandmother named a cardinal that would come feed at her window, Bobby. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, oh, as a small I child, know. there's, there's Bobby, yeah. the car. There's Bobby. Absolutely. Named after no. her coach. And that, I guess we're, I certainly am always optimistic that we can all come back together as a big, big, happy family. And, and I mean, do you, do you, do you watch the games these days? Are you, oh, yeah. are oh, you? Oh, no,
0: no. I, 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 I tell you what, I, uh, I, the people, uh, you know, around the university, around the athletic program, you know, Fred Glass and and uh, Scott Dulson have uh, been wonderful to meet JD Campbell, uh, you know, Archie, and before him, you know, Tom, uh, you know, Tom Crean for a while was okay, <laughs> but Archie. Yeah, but but uh, but then with Archie, you know, I was down there. I took my grandkids down to Hoosier Hysteria, and we went in the locker room. And did you sign the wall? Time. Yeah, I signed the wall. Yes. You know, right, right, right above Romeo, you know, nice. down, down, hopefully down along, a little yeah. bigger, hopefully a little yeah, bigger. i am trying. I tried to get the S and G in there. Said, hey, <laughs> so, so you'll know who it is, but you know, got, got to hang out. And, uh, and just, I, I can't uh, have to shout out to Katie Bates, who, who just a year ago, I, I called down and I said, uh, you know, uh, I, I hadn't been there with my, you know, my grandkids, you know, and, and it's interesting what you'll do for your grandkids. You didn't do for your kids, you know, so <laughs> I, I'm sure my kids are going, yeah, man, where was our trip? But yeah. but I, I just called down and I said, hey, I asked Scott at Dolson. I said, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to be down there. Is it okay if I, I just want to, I want my grandkids to just see Assembly Hall, you know, can I get on the floor? And uh, my wife and I, Got down there with uh, you know my my three grandkids and my daughter and son in law, and we were met by Katie Bates. You know that Scott had told her said you know to meet me, and Katie says I let's go. I'm giving you a tour, and I go oh that's that's nice. You didn't have to do it. I said oh no, we're doing this, and then toured and went in the locker rooms, did everything, saw J D. Campbell on the uh, Assembly Hall floor. J D. says let's get some basketballs, let's shoot. Oh. so I got to shoot on the floor with my grandkids get pictures and all that and then uh, you know somebody said you know hey by the way you know Archie's waiting for you guys up there so we went up and chatted with Archie and you know had a blast my kids and grandkids still talk about it couldn't be nicer and don't you know I, I wish nothing but the best for them for, for Archie and and the whole team uh, and, you know and in the whole IU family going forward uh, you know that being said I you know yes I'm, I'm I'm proud to be a an IU player that played for coach Knight there's no question Absolutely. about it Absolutely no uh, no question
3: What did, what is your what is your take on Archie as a basketball coach
0: Well I, you know I I think this is an important year for him not because there you know the boo are out and, you know, hey, you only get three years to build a program. But but I think it's important. And I think from his standpoint, too, it's like I, I, I've got to establish my footprint here, you know, and I I've got some good kids. I, I think last year was a was a tough one. You know, you, you had a, a, you know, a unique talent in Romeo and sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I think there's a better mix now. And I'd, I'd like to see. You know them have a, a couple of really good years where he's building his his team like like our teams were you know building yes. you know what, what is his teams. signature it, it, building it, teams it, it, and 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 I'm telling you right now I, I'd love to and I've had this conversation I want yeah I want a mix of Indiana guys in there I'm sorry I do I, yep. I want that I want and I want Purdue to have the same thing I, I want that we used to face off against each other and we'd look across and go yeah, you're from Greenwood, you're from Peru, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm from Silver Creek, you know, And we're all Indiana towns, and we had others, you know, obviously Quinn, you know, Scott, they, they were from other states, but, you know, we had, you know, we had that sense of, this is important in this state, and I want enough of those guys, and I want, I, I would love to see, you know, not ones and done so much, I want to see the juniors and seniors that have, you know, have put the time in and get better and better, and, and that's why I I'm hopeful, you know. I'm not really answering your question because I think it's it's a tough one to answer. That what what is Archie going to be able to do? Because do I think he's got a a keen basketball mind? Absolutely. You know, hey, he, you know, when I look at him, I say, you know what, my dad was a coach. Your dad was a high school basketball coach. You you know, you're you're a hooper man. I mean, that's what you know. You you played it and you coached it, and your dad coached it. So I I know he he loves the game of basketball. We just got to get you know, those, you know, those important signature wins and, you know, become an Archie Miller IU team. And I'm, I'm all for him.
3: Uh, I I think you you preach into the choir. We, we totally agree. And uh, I,
1: I do have one other thing. I think that you have a very unique perspective on is that uh, you were an Indiana Hoosier. You were a star. You came back and you played for the Pacers Mm -hmm. And, and now you got, you got Vic doing that. And I think it's just a really cool thing that I I had not seen really in my lifetime of watching a standout Indiana basketball player in Bloomington come back uh, and play for, for the Indianapolis team. Is that something do you do watch some Pacers games? Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a Pacer season ticket holder. I, I, in fact, you know, I, I became one at, and it's it's weird. I, there aren't many former Pacers that pay for their own tickets. <laughs> that's just that's my inside joke to these guys.
1: They, they, you know what? The we, Simons we, are being cheap.
0: What's going on, hey, man? I'm telling you, that's that's <laughs> that's my brothers. All right, but you know my my my, my uh, teammates, brothers that uh, went through wars with. But buy a ticket? Nah. So anyway, I, I got. Uh, but, but I, I was asked by Jim Morris uh, when Larry Bird first came, uh, you know, and joined with the Pacers, you know, to show support. And I said, you know what, I know Larry, I, because of Larry and the Pacers, what they've done for me, I, yeah, I'm in. So that's, that started me, you know, going to Pacer games again. And, and, and Darnell Hillman, a teammate of mine, you know, gets us back there to, to do some events and things like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have been a – a Pacer, I get to see Slicko all the time, and uh, you know, it, 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 that's, and, that's well, another family of mine, but it's it's you know, it's Indiana basketball, too. To well, me,
1: and, and, and my buddy, uh, uh, Jeremiah Johnson, who I grew up with yep. in Pru, he does the games with your buddy, uh, Quinn Buckner.
0: Yep, absolutely. No, nope, no question. No, the Pacers are. And, you know, the first uh, I remember seeing the Pacers play out at the old Coliseum when I was an eighth grader. And uh, before Slick was even the coach, it was Larry Staverman. And, I you know, but Neto was a good friend and all the guys that uh, that played then. And, and what I like about the Pacers, those the original Pacers, once once I signed with the Pacers, you know, like in 75 or 76, they they, they would come back around and basically say, now you're part, you know, you're. You know, once you've signed here, once you've played here, you're part of our family, and they have treated me like that ever since. You're you're a pacer, and you're part of our our big family, and uh, and I know Vic is feeling the same thing that you know you're you now are in the family, uh, and it's it's similar to IU, but but you know what? Even Slick will tell you, hey, you know, I use a special special yeah. place for th- those of us that hoop there, yeah. well, and, and everybody else too.
3: Well, part of the reason that Ward and I started this podcast is because we just bleed cream and crimson and want to be part of the IU family uh, as much as possible. And that is why we are doing this event coming up in Bloomington on the 16th, where it is simply a celebration of Indiana basketball from all the eras. We have lots of former players coming, and we have hundreds and hundreds of fans coming and Greeno, we would be honored if your schedule allows for it for you to be our guest at the event as well. Sure, um, and
0: I I appreciate that. I'll go on record in front of you guys, the podcast family, and Andrew W. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's a Saturday, and yeah, you know, we're you know. We'll, we'll be there, and I'll drag Brian yes. along with me. Okay? Yeah. yeah, I'll get him down.
3: Uh, there, you know. Grino, I, I have to say, man, I, I, we, I, I love that you're going to come. I can't wait to shake your hand and meet you in person. the The absolute joy of this podcast is connecting to the people that built IU to be the thing that made Ward and I fall in love with it. You are such a huge part of that. And it has been just the joy of a lifetime to be able to spend these last basically four to five hours with you over the last couple weeks and, and just get to be part of your world and get a peek inside your world, the way you represent Indiana, what you mean to the program, what you have meant to us on this podcast. We just can't say thank you enough for everything you've done and for everything you've done for us in these last two weeks. I just uh, I feel like we're part of the same family now, and that just means Absolutely. a tremendous amount to to me.
0: No, you are you're you're in whether you like it or not, boys. <laughs> now now you're in the the Godfather has said so. You are you're a fish man. We'll will coronate you guys uh, in some fashion in two weeks. Uh, you know, on the sixteenth there. There we go. Uh, it, it is the sixteenth. Okay, yes. and, and really thank you and. And to everybody out there that that listened and, you know, at times it sounds like, hey, the old man is tooting his own horn, the whole deal. I, I can just sum it up that, you know, I'm just so proud to have been uh, an, an IU player and uh, there's so many good things happened to me because of that, that, you know, sometimes uh, in the stories we get a little, we embellish a little bit we take a, you know, maybe not remember as well, but uh, just hopefully everybody enjoyed the uh, the spirit with, with which the we had our conversation well if they didn't the hell with them
3: because yeah. we sure oh, as hell he did <laughs> right.
1: we had an absolute blast <laughs> and absolute. we might not uh, have gotten to watch you play every game but getting to talk to you like this it is so fun you know with all Good. the the happy warm fuzzies that this this uh format can provide talking to to players we we're always just amazed you guys are such great storytellers i think i don't know if it's that you've had guys like us coming up to you for the last 40 years just like wanting these stories but you are so talented at the craft of storytelling and to share it with us and the oh. listeners for this long it's like Little. wow it's not fair You're, you get to be extra talented in all these different oh. ways and and sharing okay. them is a joy
0: Oh, my, my pleasure! You guys are very, very kind, and uh, look forward to meeting you in person.
1: All right, Greeno. Thank you, Greeno. Who's your hysterics?
2: Who's your hysterics?
3: Oh man, I I, lo- we could have done another several hours. I love
1: him so much. I know he's
3: <laughs> just, uh, you know, it's it's why on some level watching the teams of the last many years are so frustrating because you just want some of what they had you just want a little of it
1: it's it's rough because we're talking about all time greatness i know but it's it's not even
3: about the wins to me it's about i mean of course it is about winning on some level Mm -hmm. but the way he talks about the team. The way he talks about, like, the team getting together and going to Coach Knight and going, this recruit is not for us. And Knight sending him away before he even met him. It's just this, like, close-knit family that only comes with the confidence that this is your thing. And we just haven't had it. For long enough, Coach well, Davis was always in a precarious position. Coach yeah. Sampson was there for two years, ended in disarray. Coach Crean had a miserable first three years where we never knew we were going to climb out of the of the hole. We did climb out of it, but then it went away too quick for it to ever feel solidified. It it just isn't there yet. Well, and, um, and you I mean, want it,
1: and but you know something we didn't really talk about with Greeno is how different kids are now that they can so easily just withdraw into their phone. You know, how often are these kids going home and playing Fortnite with somebody across the world? They've never met potentially rather than, you know, going to French lick and checking out uh, like a new recruit. Like I just, it's gotta be a bigger challenge for coaches in this day and age to, to get your team to just focus on each other and basically class that's that's all those guys seem to do and and maybe some time for the ladies it sounds like but i'm sure it was it's a you're right
3: there there's no doubt you're right but every coach deals with it for sure so and some are just
1: better at it Mm -hmm. right and
3: some have been able to wade through it a little bit better and create an identity
1: well i don't follow other teams close enough to to know like their culture per se but you could see it on the floor yeah. When you see Tony Bennett's teams playing as a unit on the floor, it's hard to believe that doesn't somehow translate awesome. into the locker room and and you know, on on weekends during the off season. And as disgusting as it is, Kentucky's got a culture. Oh boy. They do. I hate oh, I come on. I hate it. It's it's a meat market. It's that yeah, but that, those guys that's not the kind of culture we want. It's, no, it's I don't a culture. I don't want that. It's, I don't it's, want
3: that. it's but like you know what else I'm is the culture
1: is... of Kentucky? Horse trading.
3: Yes, but all I'm saying is when you
1: listen We're to. We're done with the horseless, shoot them. Great. When
3: you listen to the <laughs> players that, gra- that that graduate, they don't graduate. Yeah. But when you listen to the players graduate. who go to the NBA talk about Kentucky, they talk about it in incredible terms.
1: Yeah. They, they did a great job at preparing me for the NBA. Yes. They did a great job at disappointing the fans by once again not getting as far in the tournament as they should have with the talent they had. <laughs> yep. Hey, can I tell you, I was just. Struck with some anxiety about our homecoming event. Why is that? There is going to be so many great players there Yeah, that we've had such a great time talking to for hours that not only, like... We're like, how much time am I going to get to actually spend talking to Steve Green at mm. the Bluebird? None. It's going to be like a moment or two because I'm also dying to meet a bunch of our listeners, who those who, who comment and those who don't. There's going to be people I had no idea they've been listening to every episode. I'm like, I want to get to know you and w- w- well, we why s- do you have that much time to listen to this podcast we
3: would have to book the bluebird for i think two weeks to to properly do it here is just a rundown of who we know is coming oh, right now it's going to be overwhelming here's who we know is coming right now goodness a.j moye mm-hmm. george leach mm-hmm. jeff newton mm-hmm. sharon wilkerson mm-hmm. todd leary mm-hmm. john leskowski mm-hmm. sage Steele, wow Derek elston jeez verdell jones tyra buss tom coverdale Colin Hartman, Lance Stemmler, and Steve Green. And he says he's bringing Brian Evans, but I'm not going to put him on the confirmed list yet because that's not fair to do to Brian. And I think others are coming too. Uh, Not to mention the Peague staff. It's going to be special. It's, um, you know, I kind of, it's funny because people have asked me when, like that live out here in California, I tell them this is happening. They're like, well, what is the event? And and all I've been saying, and I said it to, to Steve, it is a celebration of Indiana basketball. It is, in my head now, it has just become a way for two things to happen. People that love Indiana the way we love it to be around each other for no other reason but to be around other people who love this thing in the same way. We're all going to geek out about yes. IU basketball.
1: And and and
3: but but that's separate and apart from the former players. Like mm-hmm. it's just we share this bond.
1: It's like like it's it's like Comic Con. Yeah, it's just I...
3: nice to be there, mm-hmm. to be able to be around that. And then number two is to just say thank you to everyone who has done any part of making IU what it is. And I just rattled off 14 people that are gonna be there. That if anybody who's gonna be at the event Wants to do anything that is worthwhile at that event, it's to walk up to any one of these people and say thank you. And, it's and, uh, and introduce we may, yourself. We may
1: intercept you to say thank you to you for listening to this. Yes. And and really look, those those uh, amazing guests are not going to show up the Bluebird to hang out with you and me. No, you no. know what? I if mean? anything, we're a deterrent. <laughs> yeah. You guys and your presence and enthusiasm and love and gratitude overcomes the presence of us and, and and you know for them you know to come back some of them traveling from California uh, others driving their food truck up from the Carolinas some and, from Connecticut yeah Like it's, Sage yeah it's it's literally from all over the country people and, are, are coming in.
3: And our fans, the the people that are listening. We have people from, coming from, from Colorado, from Denver, yeah we have people from the northeast coming. I think we have somebody from Florida coming. Like, it's only for one reason, because we all know that in 49 states it's basketball, and then there's Indiana. I mean, it is it is just different, and being around people who recognize that it's different, who you don't have to, like, explain it to, who you don't have to feel bad or weird that you have this strange attachment to your school and this program, it's just going to be— uh, a kumbaya moment,
1: well, and and it is the physical manifestation of what this podcast's mission statement sort of evolved into. Right? We didn't. Yeah, I was gonna say we didn't set out. No, for we this. didn't start out. But, but with each passing conversation, and we at, still don't really set out for it. I mean,
3: it's the byproduct, but we just love talking to these people.
1: Right, right. But I, but I think we're like, well, why do we? Take this much time around uh, away from children or uh, career. We love, it. we love it because we love it, and 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 for me, I think it's it's something much greater than ourselves, our our own indulgence. And I think that's hopefully what the players are getting out of it too. Is it is, uh, I mean, you could hear how much it hurt Greeno when coach night yeah. was fired and he and you know you know greeno was wearing texas tech Ra- red raider yeah. gear for the better part of eight years before Crean got him back back into the fold in bloomington so that's there's still work to be done there and it was encouraging to hear how greeno and his family were welcomed and treated when they went down to bloomington
3: absolutely uh Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics, no vowels in hysterics. Uh, Real quick note on the tickets, if you are still listening. It is sold out as of right now, but I did send out an email to everyone who has tickets. And if anybody is listening that has tickets and is unable to come, get in touch with us and let us know you are unable to come because I want to put those tickets back on the market and let people who can come be there. The last thing I want to do is have 100 tickets of people who couldn't show up and didn't let us know, and that means a hundred fans couldn't come. So the demand is there for these tickets. So please just think about your fellow Hoosier. If you're unable to come, send us a, a DM on Twitter. We respond. Um, if you have uh, our email, get in touch with us there, um, or go to your reserved uh, tickets, and you can get in touch with me that way. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, if you don't have tickets and you want to, keep checking Eventbrite, eventbrite.com. Search for Hoosier Hysterics. The tickets that do come available, I put right back out the market. So every day a couple might might show up. And if you desperately want to come and can't get a ticket, please reach out to us as well. We'll see what we can do. Uh, we're, we're, we'll see you in like a few days at this point. Less than two weeks. Yeah. Right? This, this airs Tuesday. This airs Tuesday. Less than two weeks. Yeah. It's like. It's like 12 days away. It's happening. Oh, boy. All right, everybody. See you next time. Bye.
1: From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. That's you probably know by now who's your hysterics who's, your hysterics? who's your hysterics how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox always building better. Download speeds up to 1 gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises by a coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. You know how to book flights
0: and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you
1: arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place